0: Leading Britain's conversation. You're listening to a podcast of The Steve Allen Show from LBC.
1: Morning, everybody. Welcome to the Spike. I can't cope with the heat, I've decided already. When they go warm, hot and sunny, you know they mean hot, dry, sunny, miserable. And there's Darren upset as well. See, do you not do heat? See, I hate it. I absolutely hate it. It's just It makes me ill. But I went I had to go and collect my medicine yesterday. And because it was so hot, I had to bring my insulin back. And you've got to take it from one fridge and put it straight into the fridge. Otherwise, it sort of loses its potency. So I'm like rushing as quickly as I could to get home with me me bag of goodies. Because it comes in a carrier bag, my medicine. It's fantastic. I love it, I tell you. Are you just a Viking? Oh, really? Is that good? Is that pillaging and all that kind of stuff? I can't remember actually what happened on those longboats. I was down under the deck rowing like mad. Me little chains jangling away. <laughs> I think I could have row, rowed one of those longboats. I could have done that, one of those Viking longboats. They found one, didn't they? In uh, Sweden. I think Sweden they found one. And then it burnt in their museum. The museum burnt down and took the Viking longship with it. A bit up Heliar. Up Heliar, isn't it? Which is where they sort of burn when they have this sort of thing down. Down in the uh, sort of Biddeford and places like that, they do these big carnivals and they have big themes and, and everything. I don't know enough about it. Shetland's a big one. Do they do flaming torches? I love a flaming torch. You can't beat it. Really? Are they burn a boat? There you go, Julian. That's a place for you to go to, isn't it? You could be the captain of the ship. You could stand there on the helm, you know... My heart will go on. You could do that bit, couldn't you? You could sort of sing that little bit as we push you out. <laughs> I mean, in a caring way, of course. We, we will be filming your demise and putting it out on YouTube. <laughs> I've never been to any of these things, but I quite like the idea of people sort of going through, you know, flaming helmets and all. that. I just quite i like that idea. I like history. Mind you, talking of history, bad bit of news reached me, and I should have done it weeks ago. And I'm so sorry that I didn't do it. And I wished I had because I think it's closed now, but the Whitechapel Bell Foundry has closed after God knows how many years. Oh, this is Apeliar. Uh And this is where they do it. It, it literally means up, up yours. Holy, holy day, holy, up, up, hey, Holy, holy day. It refers to any variety of fire festivals held in the Shetland Islands uh, in the middle of winter, which marks the end of the Yule season. And so they have a procession of up to about a 1,000... Squeezers. Geysers. Geysers. Geysers? Oh, right. Is that what they're called? In in Lerwick, And considerably lower numbers in the more rural festivals formed into squads. And they march through the town. It must be quite frightening if you just move there. And all of a sudden, there's sort of men turning up on your doorstep with a flaming helmet in front of you. i mean, that's, I'm really hot. Well, blooming well would be. Very. First one, the first Yule torch procession took place in 1876 and the first uh, torch celebration on Up Day, which is basically up yours day, that's, uh, that took place in 1881 it's amazing isn't it really I must go, I must go and do these kind of things, I feel a kinship to Scotland, I don't know why I don't, I don't speak the language or anything like that I just like the idea of lots of men with flaming helmets walking in front of me, I quite fancy that idea, I think anything that's sort of tradition and then they they have this sort of replica and they uh they, they 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 sing a song the uh, the geysers sing the traditional song, which is the Norseman's home, basically up yours he's come back again and um so let's uh, let's all go there and then any available large room is pressed into service so and then the geyser squad visit every hall in turn to dance and drink with the guests still singing the same song the Norseman's bloody home again, and by the time you've got to about the fifth place the the geysers are completely. Completely K-line. They've got no idea. Just, the, the Norseman's gone home. He's come back again. He's gone home again. He's gone to heaven. We have burnt him in his boat, you know. And so it goes on. But that's what people do. I mean, dozens of squads. The day after is the hop night, where further dances for those able to stand take place. Unfortunately, the geysers by this time are face down in the gutter. Would you like to come and dance and sing your song? The Norseman's home again. Bloody well don't want to, couldn't care less about the sodding Norseman. But <laughs> well, we've got photographs and everything, it proves it. It's nice. And the, and the, uh, where do we think Darren is? I think he's probably standing there with a pint in one hand to the, to the side, stay well away from it, if he's got any sense. I don't I don't see you singing the Norseman's home again, or or you being the guy's a jar, who is the principal. Oh, Jarl, Jarl. It's quite difficult, isn't it, really? Is that a Scottish word, or is that a... It's Norse. Oh, right. Yar. The Jarl squad is made up of the Geyser Jarl supporters. God, it's a nightmare, isn't it? And the, the, so the principle of many squads and the participants are called Geysers. They look quite, they seem a nice friendly little bunch, don't they? Cutthroat so-and-so. But, um, I, I know and don't think I'm not impressed. <laughs> you can't beat that. If you see some of these horns, ladies and gentlemen, you'll, you you would be as impressed as me. There's something frightening about Norse. Because you always, you know, nobody ever says to you, Norse, you immediately think of somebody with a beard. You never think with a you know, with a huge helmet with the horns on. But I don't quite understand that, unless they're going to sort of put their head down and run into people. What's the point of that? You just get yourself stuck on door frames as you're going through, don't you? I've come to sing the Norseman, oh, bloody helmet again. You know, and you sort of take it. Yes. Oh, no, I don't remember the Turkish ones. They've, they had a sword in the top of it. Oh, dear, I don't like the sound of that. But uh, I, I don't. I, I probably would have run from the uh, from the Norse as they were sort of coming across the sea. But I like the idea that they still have this this celebration of Up Heliar. I think it's I think it's brilliant. It must look fantastic. Also, oh right, it's amazing how many different helmets there are. This is, oh this is an ottoman. This is an ottoman helmet, isn't it? I tell you where you want to go to, and you'll be very frightened. If you go to the V Museum, they've got Japanese fighting warriors outfits. Oh, my God. These people, they've got face masks that cover the whole face. The whole thing is all... You've never seen like it. It's, it's beautiful, but at the same time, them rushing towards you have put the fear of God into you. And they've got them just in the, um, the V&A, just you go through the front door, go to the right, and they're in there. The Japanese warriors, they must have been a fearsome lot. Fearsome lot. Whereas, you know, the British, you know, we, we, didn't, we didn't look fearsome, but, by God, we knew how to fight. We knew how to fight. But I'm pleased about that. So anyway, just going back to my original story, which was I don't do the heat. And uh, because I've forgotten where I've got to on this programme because I've had had such a such a bizarre week. And I don't think anybody in this industry would ever, uh, ever say that this has not been the week from hell that you're going to remember for a long, 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 long time. Because we have to change everything. We've got news that comes in. And so we want to keep you up to date with what's going on. I think the police have been fantastic. Somebody the other day was saying that the public are losing you know, faith in the police. I don't think they are. I really don't think they are. I think that they're, they're sort of... The, the police are on top of this one. They've now got their 10th arrest. This is somebody else in connection with the bomb explosion. So that's 10 arrests so far. I'm looking for serious... If these people get into court and they're found guilty... Uh, Because they're only being questioned at the moment. They obviously think it's serious enough because they did question one woman. She's been released without charge, but they've got 10 people. I'm hoping that we don't just shilly shally around and start handing out, you know, little tiny sentences. I think we've got to send out a message to these people that we don't want you. Nobody's interested in you. You're sad, pathetic, lonely, and you're a loser. And that's just the nice things I can say. Privately, I can use all sorts of, uh, of bad language. But we'll let you know if, any, if the situation in Manchester changes. But it's been a week from hell. A week from hell for them. They're gradually getting back. And I know you think to yourself, but for the people involved, they'll never gradually get back. But you have to make that effort. You have to do it for the people who died. You have to do it to them to go, we're not being beaten. We're going to show these, uh, these scumbags. Exactly what it is. As the Daily Star put it on the front page, the bomber, the man who uh, we now believe made his own bomb and uh, strapped it to himself. They've called him trash. I think that's a polite word, isn't it? Trash putting out the trash. He was quite clearly mentally deranged. And as I say, because he was uh, a dope smoker and because he's obviously got a family that have got no idea what's going on in the real world. He obviously, you know, was a loser from, you know, but he was doing quite well, actually. We don't know at what, what point he then became radicalised. And to be honest with you, I really couldn't give a forex when he was radicalised. I just know that he's dead and I'm delighted. I'm just sad that other people had to go at the same time. But uh, he wouldn't have amounted to anything in his life. So best that we just sort of spit on him. I wonder what they do. I wonder if people... Didn't somebody raise this? I can't remember if somebody raised it with Darren the other night. Who buries these people? Oh, there's, you know, I mean... <laughs> I mean, is he going to be in a cemetery or something or are they just sort of, you know, just put him out with the trash, which is what he was. Uh, Eastern European migration has tumbled. Latest figures tumbled, tumble, tumbled. Tumble. I'll come back to the the bell foundry because I've got the history of it and it's closed now. I think that's tragic. I really do. I've never been. I've seen it done. I think Suggs. Uh, He had a programme about London and he went down there to have a look at it. And I I, I feel really sad that, you know, we've lost a piece of our history. I don't like it when things close. I really, seriously, I don't like it. Uh, Also, uh, Jan Moyers had a go at Kelly Brook. Little Kelly, oh, what's she doing now? Oh, I'm now really into gardening. Everything else has dried up, I suppose, really. Uh, Also, the Blair aide who's revealed the row over Diana's funeral. Who was going to walk behind the coffin? Who was going to... Be... It's, it's, it's quite interesting, and I'll tell you about that later on. Uh, also, Mel B, my dead granddad, helped me in the split crisis. No, he didn't. It's uh, it's another doolally psychic from America. This time, it's one who's tried to muscle in on the British press. He's obviously got an agent or something, and they're trying to get him on programmes. He's another one of these people who believes that they talk to the other side. He's quite clearly got voices in his head. You know, and they're obviously telling him a right load. I mean, we only have to look at poor old Derek acora to realise what the word rubbish means. And uh, there's all these people, yeah, these celebrity psychic. Now, if you call Joe Swash a celebrity, well, then you're probably on the right lines. Uh, also today, 20 ways to spice up your sex life. I know, you can't believe it, can you? You cannot believe that I sit here, the world's oldest virgin, discussing, you know, your sex life with you and how you can <laughs> spice it up. Uh, what else was there? Oh, yes, Simon Cowell. You know, he, he does... He does the television and then he pops in here and reads the news. When I can be bothered to read the screen properly. Oh, rubbish earlier on. Seriously, I mean, yesterday. I don't know why I called Simon Conway Simon Cowell. I suppose because it both begins with Simon and the second name begins with C. And that's where the similarity finishes. I mean, Simon Cowell is much taller, much taller than Simon Conway, who's an athlete and who runs and who's fit. Everybody in the office says that. They all go, oh, Simon, he's fit. And uh, even some of the boys are saying he's fit as well. But, I mean, yesterday, don't ask me why, I called him Simon Cowell. And, you know, you have to accept the fact that when you talk to yourself for a living, and it is talking to yourself for a living, I have no idea where this programme ends up. You could be listening on a beach in Barbados, you could be in a tower block, you could, you could be just about anywhere, but I don't know that. So my career is being able to talk to myself and amuse myself because that—that's the way you have to do it. It's different if you're talking to people and you've got guests and stuff like that. But if you do what I do, you talk to yourself. So, of course, I have no problem in the car talking to myself. I have no problem at home talking to myself. Mainly after a bottle of prosecco, I can talk to myself and actually get good, good answers back at the same time. So, okay, and it is Friday as well, and I've had a week of sort of you know taking myself down to a different level that I wasn't uh, wasn't particularly comfortable with, but felt duty bound to do it. And so it does take you. I can remember the bloke who played Arthur Fowler in EastEnders when he was playing Arthur going through his breakdown. It affected him in his, in his own life because you have to take yourself down. You have to go to a different place. And uh, it's it's difficult sometimes to actually get to that situation where you're trying to think and trying to be compassionate and trying to put over how you feel without resorting to swearing. Because it would be so easy to actually swear. Also gamblers we'll look at a little bit later on. These uh, fruit machines. I don't like to call them fruit machines. They, they, they actually call them uh, betting machines. They call them crack cocaine machines to be honest with you. Uh, they reckon £5 million a day is going on these machines. And you go into any betting shop. You'll find two or three or four of them in there. And, uh, and you're betting basically, against the whole country. And people, I've seen people shove fortunes in. And then they win a lot of money, and then they gamble it again, thinking they're going to double it, and you watch it vanishing. There used to be a guy in uh, Twickenham years ago. He used to, to go in there. He worked in a shop. On Friday, he'd go in there, and he'd stand there for a few hours, pumping his wages into the machine. And and then he'd sort of, he'd win, but then he'd put it all back in again. It's like, you, you put a pound in a machine, or whatever you put in nowadays, and, um, and if you win the jackpot, you don't walk away, do you? Because you put the money back in again, thinking there might be another jackpot around the corner. And then you have two jackpots. Unfortunately, the machine is a machine. And it doesn't work like that at all. Producing producer knows a, a significant number of young people addicted to gambling on sports matches, on apps. I mean, online gambling is huge. I know, I've got a friend of mine who plays poker. And I, I keep trying to explain to him, I said, but it's a fixed game because you're playing against a computer. You're not playing against real things. You're playing against a computer. And in the uh, in all the um, betting shops, you're playing against a giant computer in the middle of it. And all the other little things are little satellite outlets. So if somebody wins in Newcastle, all linked up to the same thing, somebody's going to be losing in Twickenham because they've got to pay for it. So that's, that's how it works. We'll look at that later on. Good news. Gary Lineker in the news as well, but for all the wrong reasons today. Poor soul is going to take a proper break and stay off the telly for two months. There you go, there is a God. Perhaps he could take his son George with him as well, and perhaps they can go travelling or someone just leave him somewhere. which would be a lot easier for everybody. And what was the other... Oh, Eamon Holmes had to apologise. Begrudgingly. Begrudgingly. He didn't do it, you know, going, listen, nobody tells me what to do. He could be quite aggressive, as you can probably imagine. I think, you know, he, he doesn't really have a sense of humour. And uh, this was no sense of humour when he called the Chief Constable of Greater Manchester PC Plod. Didn't really help at all, because that was a character from Noddy. He probably didn't think about that. He probably just thought it was somebody dragging the heels and not giving the right thing. So, uh, and people reacted very badly. So, uh, a blot, a stain, I think, on poor Raymond's career. But uh, he just doesn't, um, he doesn't do apologising. It's not his sort of thing at all. Nobody likes to apologise. But he did get that one wrong. You know, he did get that one wrong. OK, listen, we'll take a short break. I've just realised, actually, I've gone this far into the programme. No coffee. Hello? What's going on in the world?
0: You're listening to a podcast from LBC.
1: Morning, everybody. Two bits of bad news. Two bits of bad news. Firstly, little Bradley Lowry, uh, who you know is is really deteriorating uh, quite rapidly at the moment. He's not very well. Can you believe that he's being trolled? People are actually trolling him. I mean, I seriously. You know, with hand on very heavy heart, say... Let's get them into court. Let's throw these people into prison and leave them there. Rot in hell. How could anybody troll a five-year-old boy? I mean, it just it doesn't make any sense at all. The other uh, piece of bad news is that uh, other little uh, boy as well, the little baby, baby Charlie, uh, Charlie Gard. The parents have lost their legal fight, uh, and I don't know where they go from here. For them, it must be a heartbreaking day. They wanted, if you remember, to take him to America. The staff at the hospital and all the experts have said he's dying. Uh, they can't do anything more for him. And the parents have said, well, let us take him to America. And they, they've said, well, you know, this is what our expert you know, advice is. And the court has sided with them. They've already had one uh, re-look at it, and now they've decided that... Um, the uh, the hospital's right; they're just going to let him die. I'm afraid. So uh, they've lost their legal fight. I mean, that's just you know for them that must be an absolutely awful day. But the the trolling of uh, of Bradley is just I'm, I'm seriously unbelievable. I'm, I'm almost speechless. I would love to find these people. There is a woman who's in the paper today. We've just sent her to prison. 72. She was trolling all sorts of people. 72. Luckily, we've thrown the old witch in prison. As I say, she can stay there for as long as uh, hell freezes over. Uh, we found a pigeon who smuggles drugs. He's got a little thing strapped to his back with tablets and pills in. He's been smuggling dr- a pigeon. Because all you do is you just send them, you know, from here. Pigeons are a bit dumb. As I say, the only good ones are under a bit of short cross pastry. What you do is, not that I would ever want to eat it, thank you very much indeed. I was watching the um, one of the, um, the cooking programmes yesterday. They were doing all sorts of things like venison. One of the women was having a bit of a mare of a day. They weren't doing pigeons. No, she was doing. What was she doing? Duck without the skin on, and then cook the skin separately. I mean, it takes forever. I mean, frankly, if you want to go around somebody's house for dinner, and they go, "Well, I'm doing a recipe I saw on the Great British Bake Off," oh God, we're going to be here for a week. Here for a week? Just go and buy something. Mister Kipling makes cakes, exceedingly good. Some of them are too, and that's why. that's why Phil Vickery doesn't invite me round. Actually, it's not, that's not quite true. He has invited me round for Sunday lunch. I think he's secretly hoping I'll never turn up. One of these days, uh, hi. They <laughs> okay. go, oh, God, he's here. That could be terrible. Uh, Steve, I agree about the heat, says Jeanette. Uh, I'm a far different reason to yours. Mine's called the menopause. I think mine's called the menopause as well, actually. It's terrible. The nights are the worst. Have you thought of getting an air conditioning machine, says Sue? I have one. Unfortunately, it doesn't. I can't strap it on my back. And walk around with it. And I had to, yesterday, go to the uh, chemist to go and get my medicine, my prescription. I kept putting it off. And in the end, I went around there. And it was so hot. So, so hot. And, uh, and I thought, oh, goodness me, this is just not my idea of fun. And the hanging baskets turned up. So we'll have some pictures of those uh, probably later on today. Uh, and the pots are all planted. It's all looking very nice. It's all looking very good. It's very neat. You know, I think it's going to go absolutely pew. An explode and a cacophony of colour, ladies and gentlemen. And, uh, and I'll, I'll let you know when it does. I'll, I'll take some pictures of the baskets. So they've actually arrived um, looking, looking quite nice. Looking quite nice. Uh, and already fairly established. But luckily, no lobelia. But I do have lobelia in my flower pouches. So I've got at the moment one, two, one, two, three, four, five pots on one wall. And one, two, three, four... Five, six, seven pots on the other wall, quite bit, quite big pots. Then I've got four balls of uh, like privet, uh, which I've got in in pots as well. Then I've got one, two, three, four pots which are already pre pre sown and uh, they've started sprouting. And then I've got six six hanging baskets, big hanging baskets. And uh, then I've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine other pots outside the place. So in fact I'm a bit potted out. Got loads and loads of pots. And it's looking nice. In fact, I'm gonna sit on the patio this morning and have a have a cup of coffee with Lynn. Um because that's just what we do. She she thinks she's gonna be up at eight o'clock in the morning. I'm telling you, there's no chance she'll surface before ten. She just doesn't just have the ability to do it. But my next-door neighbour, Lindy, she's, she's got... I gave her some plants. She went out the other day and bought loads more pots. So she's now got loads of pots onto her uh, patio as well. So we've all gone pot mad, ladies and gentlemen. Pot mad, but it's good. Uh, best teachers make you laugh. That's what it says in the papers today. Waitrose are offering fine, dine, fine dining evening. <laughs> evenings in store. And uh, what was the other one? Oh, yes, Dame Barbara Windsor. Does a plaque the other day outside the Hackney Empire. She goes with Scott. And uh, it's a rarity for Scott to go out, I have to tell you. He's not a big fan of going out. and do... He likes to keep a low profile, but uh, he went out the other day. Uh, the Queen visits the uh, victims in hospital. And when we said the other day that this man who perpetrated this crime was on the, uh, the radar and then they kind of lost him, at the moment, MI5 are juggling 500 terror inquiries involving something like 3,000 people eventually. Uh, somebody's going to slip through the net, and this one did, with dire consequences. But uh, they just don't have the staff. They don't have the staff at all. Uh, also, the father of two who's made £70 million from fancy gin and tonics. We love uh, little things you take with you. you put it into your little uh, parcel, don't you? You put it into your cool bag, which is in the car, and you get little gin and tonics, and there's probably whiskey and Coke or something like that. I don't know. I used to have whiskey and dry ginger years ago. I used to quite like whiskey and dry ginger, but uh, I haven't drunk it for ages. I'm not, I'm not really a whiskey drinker. As I say, ever since I discovered Prosecco, I mean, who the hell wants to go anywhere else? I can pretend I'm living... Oh, two people shared £25 million the other night on the lottery. Just in case you were wondering if anybody won. Hello? That's me again. Uh, wait a minute. Oh, delicious. Gee, that's my first... No, it's not. It's my second cup of coffee today. Second cup of coffee. Uh, Simon Cowell. Not the one who reads the news, but the other one. Um, he's axing the Britain's Got Talent fakers. Not fakers, but they are professional acts. Basically because the, uh, the press are going, I'm sorry, these are circus acts you've got on here. These are people working professionally in the business. One the other week, been in the business 15 years. What's the point of, you know, and they're not British. They go and trawl East European circuses and they put them on the telly. We go, oh, that's interesting. You can do a balancing act. Where do you think they do that? Witness? You think in Witness, ago go, we've got a great balancing act, way up here, Simon cowl come up here and, and have a look at our balancing act and he goes yeah they're with a the circus yep witnessed this week uh newcastle next week and they'll they've been on ant and deck been with ant and deck they're great on ant and deck show they do the balancing with ant and deck and uh, and then they're coming coming to london yeah we'd love to be on the program yeah they love it chinese chinese they are they're great they're lovely they've been, been with this circus the uh, chinese state circus for many years and then we put them on the television we go oh isn't that clever like they've just wandered out of school playgrounds or something. Oh look, we do a balancing act. We've all done it as kids, haven't you? How many, how many times have you laid? If you've got a younger brother or sister, you you sit down, you and you you lay down. Oh, that's good. Very interesting. Yeah. Immediately, there's an act there, isn't there? Just need to be costumed. <coughs> I should imagine. But you do. You know, you lie down. You've got your knees, and then your your brother or your sister, or whatever, it is, balances on on your knees. And then you forget and open your legs and they fall down. And you go, ha, 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 ha. That's what we do, isn't it? We're ha, ha, ha. We laugh at people.
0: You're listening to a podcast from LBC. I can't get
1: over the excitement. The poor Gary Lineker's having to take two months off. He doesn't have to take two months off, but let's face it. Give us a rest. Perhaps, do you think perhaps we could sort of put him in contact with Eamon Holmes? Perhaps he could take Eamon Holmes with him. He could take two months. No, the advert, th- this is an advert that went wrong. Nothing to do with Gary Lineker. It's just that they invited people to post things and and pictures and all the rest of it, they didn't realise the pictures they were putting up were of people like Rolf Harris, uh, Harold Shipman, Fred West, Jimmy Savile, and so the whole thing backfired quite spectacularly. So we won't be doing that one again, I don't think. David in Nottinghamshire, somebody's got to be, says, I thought I'd remind you on this day, the 26th of May, 1904, George Formby was born. He said, well, I like him. (laughs) Ha ha, turned out nice again, didn't it?
0: Now I go cleaning windows to earn an honest bob For a nosy partner it's an interesting interesting job. job
1: We now love George Formby. Actually, I've got some listeners who play uh, ukes, and they go to this thing. When I'm his wife was a bit Wagnerian. She used to go to, onto the film sets because he made loads of films, and it was always the same kind of thing. It was a bit sort of you know Norman Wisdom kind of thing, and uh, he always got the girl at the end. He go, ha, 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 turned out nice again. But uh, when you get all the kids, at the uh, there's a name for all the people who in the his fan club. And they go to Blackpool. I know they do. Because, as I say, I've got uh, long-standing listeners who go up there and play Ukes. And uh, I'd love to do it. It always looks quite easy, but I'm sure it's not. I'm sure it's quite difficult. But they go up there and they all get together and it's men, women, boys, young boys who play the Oh, it's lovely. It really is great. Keeping it alive. I'm, I'm very pleased. Who is it who's the, um, the George Formby Society? He'd, you know, had he lived today, he'd have been 103 103. The Vellum is the regular newsletter. They've got 1,200 members worldwide, and they have thrashes. They have thrashes. But they've got a famous member who's um, Frank Skinner. Frank Skinner loves things like that. And um, I I think he died in 1961. And George Formby, not Frank Skinner, I do beg your pardon, Frank. Can't <laughs> kind have of everything, can you? Listen, one does do one. Listen, I don't even know who's reading the news. No not asking me anything. I'm in, I'm in a world and an island by myself. But uh, they, they've got branches all over the place. Penn, Chester, Liverpool, Sheffield, South Yorkshire, Stourbridge. You know, and it's, it's a lot of people who come together. It's not a huge thing, Blackpool branch, of course, because that's where George lived up there. He lived in Lytham St Anne's, the posh bit. And... Um, it's, you know, you don't have to have musical ability to join. George Harrison was a fan and an, adv- uh, an advocate of the ukulele. I'd love to be able to play it because it doesn't look too complicated. You just need plinky plonk, plinky plonk, plinky plonk. And I'm, I'm assuming you can do it. I, I don't know. Perhaps it's a bit more complicated than I thought. But good for them. Good for them because when you see them, and uh, I've had um, DVDs sent to me of their fan club meetings and all the rest of it, when they all get up on stage at the end and they all play, they love it. Seriously, even the little kids. They're really, and I, I think that's great to keep something like that alive. There's a big statue of him up there, but his wife was very Wagnerian. Of course, the sad thing was when he died, they sold everything off. Everything was sold off and people went up there and bought his pants and stuff like that. They queued outside the house uh, to go and buy it because it was all auctions. In those days, nobody sort of you never really thought about it. And I think Valentine's Day, which was 19, uh, 1961, seven weeks after Beryl's death, George and uh, Pat decided to get engaged. Eight days later, he suffered a heart attack, which was so severe he was given the last rites. He was revived, and from his hospital bed, uh, he and Pat planned their wedding, which was due to take place in May. He was still there when on the 6th of March he had a further Heart attack and died at the age of 56. The obituarist for The Times wrote that he was the amateur of the old smoking concert platform turned into a musical professional of genius. Donald Zeck, I interviewed Donald Zeck in the Mary, wrote a lovely book about Marilyn Monroe, uh, called him as great an entertainer as any of the giants of the musical. And uh, he was buried alongside his father in Warrington Cemetery. 150,000 mourners lined the route. The Undertaker, was Bruce Williams, who, as Eddie Latter, had written songs for Formby. Um, An hour after the ceremony, the family read the will. Uh, Formerly, his valet and factotum, which was Harry Scott, he got 5000 The rest went to Pat. At probate, the estate was valued at £135,000. And uh, th- th- there was a lot of greedy family going on. In the end, they sort of provided a bit more money here. But when you think about it, he was a huge star, and all he left was £135,000. I, mean, I should imagine, back in, in the 1960s, 135000 was probably... I don't know what that would be equivalent to. I don't know today, but whatever it was, it's. I imagined him to have more. You know, you just sort of think. He worked in films, he took his, uh, his act around... Uh, you know, all over the place. So we're looking at 135,000 from 1961. There is actually um, there is actually a, a calculation. You see, on the Bank of England website, it'll tell you how much is it worth in 2016. Two million seven hundred fifty-seven thousand six hundred sixty-seven pounds and thirty-two pence. That shows how much it was. So he, he was just under three million pounds, which actually was a lot of money. You know, in the days when you could buy houses for four hundred pounds. Do you remember Viv Nicholson? Viv Nicholson was the pools winner, um, and she won, I think it was £151,000. Whatever it was, it was the equivalent, roughly, of about um, £5 million, I think. Uh, she won it. She came from a poor side of town. She got through uh, family. No, th- three, just over 3000000 grand. She got the football pools, and um, they spent... Lot. That's what she said when they said, what are you going to do? She went, I'm going to spend, spend, spend. And that's what she did. She bought houses. She collected husbands. Uh, in fact, she was married to uh, Matthew uh, for two years. Keith, she married, and that lasted quite a while. Brian, then there was Graham, then there was Gary. She's got four children. Uh, she died a couple of years ago, aged 79 in Wakefield. I met her because there was a musical in London put on at the Piccadilly Theatre. And I think Barbara Dixon was playing... Viv Nicholson. I'm pretty certain. And, um, it was, yes, here we go. Let's have a spend, spend, spend. Uh, I'm trying to find out who, who was doing it, actually. The Watermill Theatre did it. But, um, I'm, yes, Barbara Dixon, the original cast, Steve Houghton and Rachel, uh, Leskovac. But it, it, got all sorts of things. Laurence Olivier Awards for Best Musical, uh, nominated. It won Laurence Olivier Award for Best Actress in a Musical, which went to Barbara Dixon. And I met Barbara Dixon. In fact, in two places. I met Barbara Dixon. Once was there and the other time I was... Want to name drop? Here we go. Hang on a sec. Michael Crawford was doing Phantom of the Opera and I was in Michael's dressing room because he was a listener to the programme. And uh, Barbara Dixon came in with her, with her then-husband and I thought, bloody hell, it's Barbara Dixon. <laughs> I wasn't sure if I was more impressed by Barbara Dixon or the fact that I was standing in Michael Crawford's dressing room because uh, he, was, he was such the consummate professional he uh, he would stay in there because he couldn't he couldn't just take the makeup on and off on a matinee. You had to keep it on because it took hours to put all these prosthetic pieces which had to be glued on. I mean, really, really quite something. And I used to go there uh, a lot and I'd see him and he because he said to me, if ever you want to come to see the show, just let me know. And so I, I would go. Uh, Owen, quite right. Sorry. Do beg your pardon. Sorry, Owen. I didn't. I didn't make this up. Somebody. Somebody told me. George Formby would have been 113 today. All right. So 10 years. Sh- oh, goodness sake, honestly. But uh, you're right. 113. He would have been. But uh, interesting life and the films are, are great. I loved the films. And there'd always be a song. They would weave in one of his hit singles somewhere. Good stuff. Good stuff. See, we talk about everything on this programme. You just think that we can only talk about one thing. Nope, we talk about everything. Uh, The only thing that we don't do is we don't do phone-in, because there are enough phone-ins on LBC. There are loads of people who do it so much better than I do. I'm always trying to explain to me, they say, why don't you do phone-in, you've done phone-in. I said, yes, I have done it, but it's not my forte. My forte is sitting down entertaining. I know sometimes you might argue whether or not this is entertaining, but believe you me, when you see the audience figures, this is entertaining compared to what else is on offer. And so uh, I just I can't do phone-in. I have done them occasionally. Well, in fact, I've done them for years and years and years. Yes, more and more on that a little bit later on this morning, because we've got a little clip of the person who's going to be in conversation this weekend. And um, I must also point out as well that James O'Brien, who is the person we're talking about, um, has got a new feature on his programme, Photography Hour. So we've done Musical Hour, we've done Antiques Hour. I think... In the pipeline. And there's the clue. Plumbing hour. I think plumbing hour is coming up. And if you've got a sticky uh, ball cock and you need it sorting out, then I'm sure that we to help you out there. But he's he's got uh, photography hour coming up. Uh, build your own. Uh, what was the one he was doing the other day? Oh, that's right. Build your own Wendy house out of matchsticks. It takes a few years, admittedly. Grow your own bonsai from scratch. That's coming up as well. And, um, and things to entertain the children when you go on holiday to Iceland. So uh, that's, so. there's quite a lot of things in the, in the pipeline. Because it's the bank holiday weekend and because you're all going to be going to the coast. I know you're going to be going to the coast because that's what the British do, isn't it? We do in London. We go, where should we go? Let's go to Southend. Uh, let's, do, uh, let's do Brighton. Let's do, let's do nothing. You could do that this afternoon, actually this afternoon. Because if, if if you finish work, I told you, I didn't tell you actually, I was telling my producer, but um, a friend of mine is going to Spain. There's three of them. Two of them work in this building and one works uh, up north. And they're going to Spain for a night. They fly off tomorrow morning. They're having Saturday night in Spain where they're going to go out and probably get horribly drunk. And then they're flying back on Sunday. Is it really worth it? Is it really worth it? All that way, just for a just for a few a few nights. And, and I said, will you, will you be, you know, pulling? Uh, and, uh, you know, because you have to ask these. I mean, what's the point of going there? You're not going for the food, are you? You're not going for the food, because in most of these resorts... And I think they're going to one of the, the busy resorts. So there'll be three boys on the loose over there in Spain for a night. I mean, lovely, isn't it, really? I mean, I can't think of anything worse. It would take me forever to work something like that out. But, uh, anyway. Uh, Steve, uh, the money... Invested in property, hundred and thirty-five thousand from the sixties could be worth twenty million now. Yes, if you put it in property. Yes, yes. My parents paid four hundred and twenty pounds for their first house. You know, I mean, it, it seemed like a lot of money, but you could buy brand new cars for like, you know, <laughs> I was going to say twenty quid, but uh, actually, it probably wasn't far off it. Probably wasn't far off it. Uh, Richard says a great fan of George Formby is uh, the Queen. Oh, you, her, her and Philip, but they've got their little ukuleles out. When I was the Queen. When I was the queen. And then, you know, Philip will sort of chime in with something else, I should imagine. Uh, Steve, when will these suicide bombers realise they're fighting a war that finished years ago? And if suicide bombing was that heroic, why don't the puppet masters do it themselves? Yes, Kevin, they'll always get other people to do it. Because they're they're stoned out of their minds, so they get them stoned. They go, will you do this for us? You'll be doing it for them. they go, yeah, I'll do it. I'll do it. Good. He says, and yes, I am too, a big George Formby fan. George Formby. He says, the uh, the underdog, who always won in the end. Terrific sense of humour. Those just close to the mark jokes. He says, I've got all the records and the 22 films. Uh, the ukulele, by the way, is a lot harder to play than it looks. Favourite song has to be the Lancashire Toreador. The Lancashire Toreador. I, I know the Lancashire Toreador. I, I know Mr Wu. That's the Chinese laundry blues. But uh, 22 films and the... <laughs> I've got no idea. The Lancashire Toreador. Have we found it? No, we're not not sure we can find that one. Perhaps it doesn't exist, Kevin. Perhaps it's in your mind. He says, by the way, incidentally, stuff the heat, it's killing me too. I I get so affected by it. I mean, I've had dreadful, dreadful things. It just doesn't work. Oh, here we go. Is this it? Oh, we think we we might have found it. Here we go. Sing along if you know the words. (laughs) Turn down nice.
0: I've been to Spain, but never again. I couldn't go there twice. course, my name's John Willie, but they said it sounded silly, and they wouldn't call me that at any price. They soon made me change gonna go for hours. My this one, isn't
1: it? <laughs> gonna take us ages before we get to the uh, the hook line, which is Don Pedro,
0: the people fighting hero, the Lancashire Tory.
1: Do you know, I'm going to get a a George Formby Greatest Hits today. I've decided I'm playing that in the car over the weekend. Do you know, honestly, it takes you back to a time, ladies and gentlemen, and there will be many of you listening who will be of a certain age who will be going, you've got to listen to this Steve Allen bloke. He talks about everything, because he's so old. (laughs) So that was the Lancashire Toreador. I quite like that. I might even go and buy some of the films, but I think actually somewhere in my my vast collection, uh, I think I've actually got a box set... I mean, we have done quite a few gear changes on this programme, haven't we? I know. Seriously, I don't know. It's what we like to do on LBC. And I've been listening more to LBC over the past week than I've ever done before. Mainly because I just want to see how other people handle it, how other people deal with it and what they're saying about it. And I'm finding it really interesting. Also, because we've got apparently an election around the corner, although I'm not sure if we've had the the date put back on again, they're, they're still... Still, still the same date, still June the 8th, because I'm not going to be here that morning. So the morning of, the morning after the night, I'm not going to be here. There's a special programme running through, Ian Dale's doing with Sheila Fogarty and then Nick will be in starting at five o'clock. That'll thrill him. Five o'clock in the morning. So I get the, the day off. In fact, it's going to be actually quite a month uh, of having days off next month, because if, if things all happen, I'm going to need three days off for my heart operation. And um, and then the one day that's four days off in a month. You know me, I hate taking time off. I'm dreadful at doing it. I just don't do time off. I just don't do it. But Anyway, we'll uh, we'll sort of we'll plod through, as they say, and see how we uh, go. Uh, Perry's payday. This is Katy Perry to do American Idol. Nineteen point three million. She says it's uh, it's a great day for women. No, I just think it's your your value. And if they say, you know, you're worth eighteen, nineteen point three million. Well, that's what they they give you. The Americans are mad, actually. Mad. Uh, Neil says, loved watching the old George Formby films. Corny, but good fun. Also the old Will Hay, Norman Wisdom films. By the way, this weekend, loads of old cars in Enfield. That's just a normal day in the car park, isn't it, Neil? Apparently they're now calling it the Enfield Pageant of Motoring. And he says there's lots lots to do there for the family. Always a great day out. I like the idea. Lots of old cars and commercial vehicles. (laughs) Just your normal day in Enfield. You better make sure you put hats on. Um, I love my George Formby grill. It does perfect steak, says Gordon. That's, uh, that's another one, isn't it? That's George Foreman. That's, it's, a, it's an old gag. Honestly, Gordon, really. I don't expect things like that at this time of the morning. Um, somebody says, it's that time of day. This is Anthony, actually. When I'm finishing work and I get to drive home listening to the Steve Allen show. Pure entertainment in one breath at LBC. Uh, yes, yes. Steve Allen, if trolls can be located 100%, then why on earth would anybody risk vile slander? Surely they must be unwell and should be sectioned. Disgusting behaviour towards anyone, but far worse towards a, a child who's dying, uh, Jeanette, of a terminal illness. Um, you know, I, I can't, um, I can't get my head around it either. But there's something the matter with them, isn't it? But although we've actually discovered them before. I don't want to keep going back to the case of the woman who thought she was being very clever and she was trolling the McCann's. And uh, then they they found out who, who she was, and so was it Sky Brenda Leyland is that her name uh, Sky then go down there and doorstep her, which is when you doorstep somebody, you take them, you, you go down to where they live, you knock on the door you've got the camera running, and uh, you go, "Excuse me, can you tell us anyway uh, she was horrified, as of course, generally people are because the, a they 're either too stupid to realize that you can find them very quickly uh, and b they don 't expect to discover that they are the news. And so they put it all up on Sky. It was it was run for everybody. She ended up committing suicide because of the you know which which was awful. But she sent something like three thousand trolls or tweets, tweeting trolls to the McCanns, you know. And you just think, I'm sorry, you can't do that. She was obviously unhinged. There was obviously something the matter with her. But you know, be warned. The press turn up and they uh, then they're, they're not interested in your excuses. You know, if you've written something or you've done something that has that has offended people and you don't man up to it, they're going to have their, their day. They're going to have their day. It's uh, Oh, we're not taking a break? Oh, this programme is so good, isn't it? Seriously, I think I might go home and listen myself, actually. I've got no idea what is going on this morning. Not a clue. Which break are we missing? The, oh, this is from five minutes ago. Oh. Well, at least we get round to it, don't we? I mean, come on, given the choice. It's, um... Quarter to five? No.
0: No, it's not quarter to five. You're listening to a podcast from LBC.
1: Morning, everybody. Nice to have your company. Welcome to Friday. A difficult week for many people. Um, A worse week for those people who are mourning loved ones. Uh, There's no answers. There are plenty of questions. And uh, somebody uh, wrote to me and uh, said uh, thank you to... You and all the other radio presenters for handling the reporting and commentating of this week's heart-wrenching events in such a professional and sensitive way. I don't think there's any other way you could do it. I I seriously don't think there's any other way you could do it. You know, because we all hope that we would never be in such a position to actually be mourning somebody who has fallen victim to these uh, these sick people. These sick people out there who, you know, just seem hell-bent on doing something just to to ruin everybody else's life you know as far as I'm concerned you could screw up your own life but sod off and leave everybody else alone uh, Sven says a caller asked James about a book on woodwork you gave him on Mystery Hour yesterday oh and he referenced the show as Magical Hour too I know he's, he's gradually coming round to my way of thinking it's a slow process but uh, that's, that's what happens and then Mike says are you allowed days off uh, well to be honest with you I don't know they're all saying take some days off but uh, he says uh, who else can I listen to at this time of the morning I don't know he says, Could it be organised to come live from your hospital bed? I can't believe you would ditch your loyal followers for something as simple as a dodgy ticker. I know, I know. I find it unbelievable myself, you know, the fact I might sort of, my heart might just stop at any point. And, but um, I love the way they've sort of told me, bring pyjamas, a dressing gown, and a pair of slippers in. Luckily, I have slippers, so I'm okay. They're my fluffy bunny slippers, which I'll be taking in. I'm hoping I'm not going to be there all day. They've said you can go in in the morning and you might be out at 8 in the evening, but sometimes they, uh, they keep people in. I don't really want to be kept in. I don't like that idea. It's not my idea of fun at all. So we've got that next month, Tuesday. I think it's Tuesday or Wednesday of next week. We've got the angiogram. So this is when my poor veins get perforated again. Nightmare, isn't it? It's wonder we try and rush through as many things on the programme. I'm never too sure how long. Uh, Sandra says, uh, interest in photography. Will it be digital? Oh, I think he's covering all of it, yes. Everything from box brownies uh, up to the latest digital uh, recordings. Um, you know, the way it works, isn't it, really? Uh, plus Dartmoor, uh, the wildlife shock. The famous animals uh, are being saved by being put up for meat. So, in other words, they've got horses on Dartmoor, as you know, the Dartmoor ponies. And because they don't want anything else to happen to them, they've, uh, they've offered them up as sausages and all sorts of things. Why can't they just keep them? So They, they, they seem to be roaming free. Why can't they just leave them where they are? I don't want to see them made into sausages or stuff like that. It's not very nice. Should we look through the uh, the papers? Do you want to know what's going on? I've got the hottest TV shows for the summer. Lockdown Britain. They've said this weekend uh, there might be something. There might be something uh, going on in NHS hospitals. What they're doing is basically saying just be aware because people might be out there. They've got uh, pictures on the front page of the Mirror today of a suspect held after an armed raid in Nuneaton, Um, As I say, the quicker we actually catch all these uh, people, they've got tasers on him and guns and everything else because uh, we've got 3,000 extremists. Well, 3,000 people are being probed by MI5. Uh, Hospitals warned to prepare for the worst fears that a second device uh, passed on by Abedi. And so we don't know if he's made other things. We really don't know. But uh, as I say... Uh, you can go and blow yourselves up in a field in the middle of nowhere, as far as I'm concerned. Nobody gives us stuff about your life. Uh, you don't give us stuff about anybody else's, so why should anybody care about you? Your parents hate you as well, by the way. And uh, you don't have any friends. You're very sad, very lonely, very depressed people. Uh, the weather is the thing that's going to get people over this weekend, and that's why your guard will be down, and that's why everybody apparently will be doing barbecues. The great British boring event of the decade. Let's have a barbecue. Let's not. We have found a new barbecue for you, though. You don't need to burn anything. Solar. A solar barbecue. How boring does that sound? And uh, a friend of mine, actually, who's obviously been given a free barbecue because he's name-checking the company uh, all over the place... And uh, it's like a Rolls Royce because, you know, some people have a barbecue where they put little coals on or you get a paper bag that you open up and set fire to the paper bag. Or you get the little throwaway barbecues, which are just great, you know, for doing one sausage or one burger or one piece of chicken. Uh, And then you've got the super duper deluxe things where, you know, you've got to put a chef's hat on, you lift it up and it's got gas cylinders underneath it. And so you might as well cook in the kitchen. What's the point? What's the point of sitting in the garden? It's too hot. Your Auntie Winnie will not cope in the heat. And who wants to eat hot food, you know, on a boiling hot day? Badly cooked hot food. The chance of you sort of getting some salmonella is quite high. Because nobody cooks it. You know why? Because people think that you set fire to the barbecue. And come on, who has not done it? Get the petrol out. <sighs> Granddad's hair vanishes in a puff of smoke and, uh, and people think that's when you start cooking. The whole idea of barbecues is you're cooking, you know, when the flames have died down. You're not cooking on flames because that just burns the food and you go oh it's black, it must be cooked. Open it up, it's moving. You know, you can become really ill and it's the same blooming stuff on barbecues, isn't it? The same stuff. Chicken, burgers, sausages. Nobody does anything exciting. You do a steak. Mm. That's just pretentious. Uh, a steak on a... Bu- Nobody does bananas, do they, in foil? Because you can put those on as you're cooking. Then you can have hot banana with ice cream. That's quite nice.
0: You're listening to a podcast from LBC.
1: Morning, everybody. Nice to be company. It's Friday, 26th of May. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. I'm with you till 7. And then Nick Ferrari's with you from 7 o'clock this morning with breakfast. I'll run through later on what he's got coming up on the programme. So the, uh, the NHS, high alert, they've said, ensure that we've got staff and blood supplies. Hospitals warned to prepare for more bombs. Ten people now being questioned. Uh, the intelligence services have managed to find ten people. Uh, also, security source says the worry is there was enough to build two or three bombs inside this flat, uh, which made them think that maybe he's made others. We don't know, but they're working on the assumption that he wouldn't have just made one. He obviously went away. There's no manual just to tell you how to do this. You need to be shown, apparently, how to make them. But he did go abroad, and um, we think that's probably where he learnt to make his uh, bomb. Whether he detonated it himself or whether somebody else detonated it, I've got no idea. As I said, we were asking a question the other day, weren't we? When we said, what on earth would anybody have to say to you to make you want to blow yourself up? You know, unless you're a simpleton and you're a bit stupid. And quite clearly, these people are very, very stupid. Uh, Also, Trump says, I'll find the leaker of the UK bomb secrets. And I have no doubt that he will. I can't wait to find out as well. Uh, uh, Other stories, uh, they say that uh, the evil British bomber's last call to his family in in Libya. I thought they'd they'd fled from Libya. Obviously a load of old codswallop again going on there. Uh, Forgive me, Mum. He's quite clear he was deranged and um, putting all his rubbish out. But anyway, they just call him a robed thug. Although I thought the Daily Star summed it up much better. Trash takes out the trash. But that's what he was, and that's the way his family will always remember him as being trash. Uh, also, in the paper today, uh, apart from the fact that they're now, you've got to buy fans, because now, it's, you know, so we'll have a heat wave, and the whole country will go absolutely mad for fans. There'll be fans, you know. I'm sorry, do you have any um, air conditioning units? Sold out. Okay, thank you. Because the moment, I, was, I remember going to somebody, a, a shop once, actually, because I wanted to buy a pair of sunglasses, and it was in December, and the woman said, it's December. And I said, cataracts. I thought that kind of summed it up, really. You know, they said to me, wear wear sunglasses, you know, uh, as often as you can. So I do. It's got nothing to do with the fact that I'm a huge international star, revered in every country under the sun, except maybe Afghanistan. But, I mean, there's certain places where people are addicted to this programme. And so I just thought you could buy sunglasses all year round, but obviously you can't. And then you go out in winter and go, do you have any air conditioning units? And they look at you like you're stupid and they go, it's winter. And you go, thyroid. You know, and that kind of explains it all the way. You just go thyroid and they're supposed to know things like that. Uh, Steve, when we have a barbecue, we cook in the kitchen but pretend otherwise, says Viv. <laughs> and Mike says, my mum does a whole leg of lamb on the barbecue and crispy pork belly. I mean, why don't you just stay indoors? I don't understand this British preoccupation for wanting to eat in the garden. You know, also, and it's and it's awful. I mean, what's the point of it? Nobody ever cleans the barbecue. God knows what illnesses you're picking up. And then Craig says... Gas barbecues? That's not a barbecue. That's an outside kitchen. Well, I agree. I do know places. I've seen them on the television. You know where people want to go and buy a holiday home abroad? And I always think, I wish you would. and uh, And stay there. And they go, and of course you've got an outdoor kitchen. And a lot of places, you know, if you go to the Mediterranean, they have two kitchens. The indoor kitchen... And the outdoor kitchen. And the outdoor kitchen is so you can sit outside there and partake of the mosquitoes and the wasps and the bees and all the other things that want to eat your food. Because I don't understand why we all want to sit outside. Oh, is your table outside? You know, they will say, get your food before you sit outside. And the answer is, no, we're not. We're going to get the table first. Because otherwise, you take your food out there and then you go to get the table and there's somebody sitting there and you go, excuse me, are you eating? No, well, hold on. Well, we want to sit down and eat. But uh, every pub today, every pub by the river will be packed solid because we just like sitting outside and having a drink, you know, as the sun beats down and you burn to a crisp. I'm going to get burnt today. I'm going to have to go and buy some sort of hat or something to put on, because I'm just going to burn to pieces. Well, failing that, just don't go out. It'll be a lot easier, won't it? I'll just sit under an umbrella. They always say that whenever Uncle Steve goes out with, with the family and uh, we're sort of sitting outside, I always say, Uncle Steve sit under the umbrella. I feel like I'm 90. I go for just a baseball cap. I do wear a base. Actually, the funny thing is, I look good in a baseball cap. I know it's surprising, but I, do, I don't have it backwards like the Australian. That's just silly at his age. But, uh, no, I, I have a baseball cap. I look good. Look good in a baseball cab. It's got to be the right sort of baseball cab. I don't want to look like George Sampson, you know, or something like that, where it's all wicked, all that kind of stuff. Uh, Mel B, my dead granddad, helped me in the split crisis. Uh, she was comforted by a psychic. This is this another one of these balmy people. This time he's a, an American. He's only young. Uh, Tyler Henry. He's getting loads of coverage, so presumably we're going to be stuck with him when he comes over here to do some chronic show. But um, he's... Um, He told the Spice Girl her granddad was trying to connect to her as the star's relationship with Stephen Belafonte crumbled. Apparently, Mel would step out each day with her armour on and never let it be known she was in a difficult place. But during her darkest days, her meeting with Tyler provided a huge amount of comfort. Yeah. So, uh, in Hollywood, Medium with Tyler Henry aired on Wednesday. He said Stanley Dixon was insistent to connect. And she said, because she obviously believes this garbage, she said, oh, it's nice to know that he's watching over me. Oh, not that nice? But uh, I can't remember uh, when her, her granddad died. But um, so she's opened up about it, as people do now. They do it, don't they, when you get all these sort of people. They go, oh, so-and-so's passed over. And then do you remember Colin Fry, the medium on television, they always call it passed over. No, the word is dead dead, you know, and there is no coming back, there is no meeting, they're not standing there by the pearly gates waiting to have a quick chat with you, even though when you watch the film Ghost, that kind of brought it home to you didn't it, when uh, Rita May suddenly realised that she was hearing voices in her head, which I thought was hilarious uh, Sneak peek at the summer's top TV shows, have you noticed they've got to have one word unless it's sort of something, you know, a bit more serious, but you've got Fearless coming out in uh, in June Poldark. I never quite got Poldark, but I know you ladies like Poldark. The Lock, uh, which sounds... It's a serial killer thriller set in the Highlands. Best place for it. Star Trek Discovery, Netflix in August. Ackley Bridge on Channel 4. Uh, Also, Riviera. Uh, Trust Me, looks like a medical drama. Top of the Lake. Gypsy. What's Gypsy? What's Gypsy? And... um, Made by uh, Sam Taylor-Johnson. It's a psycho-sexual thriller. guess ce Um, But obviously, yes. And the other one is The Voice Kids. And I've got no idea what it is, but it's got... Um, it's time for the kids to have a go at getting famous red chairs to spin. And so they've got Pixie Lot, Danny Jones. I like Danny Jones. Uh, together with Emma Willis as host. It's nothing Emma Willis is not on. She must be the hot favourite at the moment, isn't she? She's the hot favourite. She's here. She's there, she's over there, she's, o- she's way over there, and she's hit. Oh, she's everywhere. Lord, Lord. Okay, This is this woman who's gone to prison. Uh, this uh, woman here. She's been jailed after emailing death threats to Theresa May. Isabella Jackson is her name. She's quite clearly, again, quite a few screws loose. Uh, she also calls bomb scares. She's 72 at Harrods. London-Kings Cross Station and Edinburgh Airport. She made threats against the then Home Secretary, Mrs May, in November 2014, and the OAP contacted her counsel in September, falsely stating that a woman had died. Jackson, who comes from Buckhaven in Fife, then ordered goods in the woman's name, causing considerable distress. This January, she emailed bomb threats and sent suspicious white powder to Leavenmouth Police Station at Kerkoddy Sheriff Court. She was jailed for 45 months. Four's oh, of forty. It's about three and a, three and a bit years, not long enough. The detective inspector uh, is Kenny Armstrong. He said, "I'm at a loss as to why an elderly woman would carry out this campaign of threats and uh, and malice. Because she's a sicko. That's why. Because she's sick. Seventy-two. You wouldn't have to go. Oh, because somebody's. You know, seventy-two. They don't do things like that. That's the age they start going. That's the age they start worrying about it. Go blimey. Have you seen the pensioners, especially on their little these little." Motorized wheel things that they've got. Oh, blimey. I'll tell you, they're a danger on the roads, these people. They're even worse on the pavements. Even worse on the pavements. Uh, plus, tonight, 112 million is the jackpot. <laughs> Hundred. Who cares? 112 million. That would be nice, wouldn't it? That would be nice. That'd sort of seal off, you know, so, oh, you could do so much good. So much good, couldn't you, with things like that. Ukulele, you need the fingers of a five-year-old girl and the hand strength of Jeff Capes to play the blooming thing, says Dave. He says, it might be because I could only afford a cheap one. (laughs) Uh, Mike and Edie said, just heard you say, having an op, wishing you all the best. Which hospital can we send a little something to? (laughs) None. (laughs) And then Brian says, health comes first. He said, don't you dare leave us. Well, I've got no intention of leaving at the moment. Well, I don't think so. Uh, well, unless they're going to tell me something different after the um, the angiogram thing. Uh, Steve, ukuleles appeared in Hawaii in the late 1800s when Portuguese sugarcane cutters went to the islands to work. The uke was the smallest instrument that could make the sea journey without taking up too much room. Super triv, says says Peter. Yes, I quite like that idea. It just always looks easier, doesn't it? Bling, 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 bling. Actually, I think in uh, Flashbang Wallop, you know, Half a Sixpence, I think he plays a, a uke in that. I watched the film again the other day with Tommy Steele. Great film, really is. Tommy Steele at his, at his best. Good dancer, good film. Nice, nice sort of overstory. Really good, really, really good. Uh, the lollipop man who dies at the palace. He goes there for the Queen's uh, garden party. He drops dead at the gate. Doesn't even actually get inside. They say the Queen was informed. Well, she'd have to be, wouldn't she? Sorry, somebody's just died at the gate, ma'am. Right, mamas and jam, by the way. And, um, and there's a, a football pitch here. This is very nice. It's in Beijing in China. Uh, unfortunately, they've got a 100-year-old elm tree in the middle of it, which you've got to negotiate round because they won't, they won't pull it down. And apparently the school is in a garden of the Ming and Qing dynasties where all trees are protected. I love it. I love it. I love things like that. Isn't it funny? I've always liked anything, anything Chinese. And I don't mean the food. I mean the culture. I love anything like that. Anything that's got sort of history, I'm in favour of. Oh what have we got here? Ooh, barbecue the Brazilian way. Ch- Churrasco, so. so which is a, a method of grilling meat on skewers originating from Latin America. Uh, These are boneless chilli and lime beef ribs with barbecue sauce. That looks quite nice, doesn't it, actually? I always worry about a boneless rib. The whole idea was ribs. They've got to have bones in them, but never mind. I shan't be eating any of that. What have I got to eat this week? Oh, I've got those nice sausages I bought, which are sausages with cheese in, wrapped in bacon. Yum yum yum! You could probably do them on the barbecue, but I'm not. Uh, I'm not keen. There's something else I was trying to find. What are those potatoes called, ladies and gentlemen? They're not parmentia. They're. It's a potato. It's an oval potato, and it's cut. Loads of cuts on it. And so it's all. And it. it they're delicious. They're absolutely delicious. And they used to do them in Marks and Spencers, and I've never found them since. But there's a name for them. I can't remember what these potatoes are called. So they're sort of oval. Potato. It's about sort of three, four inches, and they're cut so as if somebody's put a knife cut all the way down them. And then when they cook, they sort of crisp up on it. The... They're delicious, seriously. <laughs> but I don't know what they're called. Somebody will know. So they, they did it on one of the recipes on one of the baking programs, and I thought, why can't you buy these anywhere? I want to go and buy them. They used to do them, but then you know, like a lot of supermarkets, they sort of change it because not not everybody eats them. Well, I was eating them all.
0: You're listening to a podcast from LBC.
1: You no, know, you are absolutely amazing, aren't you? And who needs Wikipedia? All I need to do is ask something, try to the best of my ability to describe what it is, and you immediately know what it is. These, these potatoes, and uh, many, 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 many people have told me, including Lou, they're Hasselback potatoes, Hasselback. And Stuart Manning told me they're Hasselback. But can you make that... Do you have to buy... Stupid question. Do you buy them? or can, I mean, I've bought them before when they're already pre-cut, and I'm sure they came with sort of like, um, sort of a knob of garlic butter or something in there. And then you sort of, you pick, they were delicious. And I, d- I don't know why I'm associating with bonfire night, but because <laughs> I'm really, I'm really mad for things like this. But um, a brilliant idea, a brilliant idea. Hassleback potatoes. I don't, I don't really know the, uh, the sort of the story behind them, how they became like that. Whether or not they're sort of done so you put them on barbecues, I don't know, I just put them in the halogen oven and they seem to, uh, they seem to, to work themselves quite uh, quite nicely. Uh, Vivian said the same, uh, Angie as well. Elizabeth Stuart Manning, as I say. Oh, you've changed your picture on the front page of your little Twitter. Listen, sitting there eating food is not a good picture to put on the front page of your Twitter. Really isn't, honestly. Why do people have to be told about what sort of things... To put? You have to put something on your on your Twitter page. That sort of represents you, I think. Well, when I say represents you, I mean and sort of, it's got to be an interesting picture so that people look at it. I mean, I don't think mine's very exciting either. So perhaps I should put a picture of a Hasselback potato there. <laughs> Steve Allen, the Hasselback potato king, that'd be quite nice. and a bottle of Prosecco, that'd be very good as well. Uh, what else we got? What else we got? Oh, the uh, Eamon Holmes apology, uh, which is uh, which is everywhere today. I don't think he wanted to do an apology, but I think he suddenly realised that maybe it was it was not, not a particularly wise thing to say. Phil says, very pleasant here in Bournemouth. It is. It's very pleasant in Bournemouth. My friends have got a, a hotel down there. The sun's out. Took my motorcycle to Swanage and back, past Sandbanks. Because I needed to go to toilet. He says, beautiful part of the country, except I'm ginger. Oh, well, there you go. You're going to burn to pay. Producers the same. Yeah, it's exactly the same. If you're ginger... Is that producer working today? And um and you de- and you burn, and you burn. You know, he said basically in about ten minutes. Yeah, I mean I I burn anyway. I mean I'm I'm just useless. I'm just you're you're fine. You? I right. obviously discovered some sort of trick or something if you're ginger to sort of get away from it, like putting a hat on with sort of fake hair underneath. I don't know. Uh, Little Julie says, there you go, Steve. Simon mentioned that Simon Cowell again. The thunderstorms in the news that'll help with the humidity. Oh dear. And somebody says, Jeanette, as long as you don't resemble Honey G in your baseball cap, you're looking cool to me. There's no way I'd ever look like uh, that old uh, fake. Uh, Apparently, Tyler Henry's an astoundingly gifted medium. He's an amazing young man. No, they're all the same. It's all, yeah, thank you, Tyler, for texting me. Thank you. But uh, really, it's it's just a load of old old hogwash. It's called cold reading. I can do it. I can do it. I could tell you you've had... Not this year, but the year before. Did you have somebody pass over? I'm, I'm, I'm amazing. They're here with me now, darling. They're here. They want to talk to you. No, they don't. Uh, Jerry, he says, uh, going to the Chelsea Flower Show today? Are your hanging baskets on display? Any advice about visiting the show? Um, it's, I prefer, and it's not, not going to help you, Jerry. But uh, the strawberries are terribly expensive there. <laughs> I think so at the Chelsea Flower Show. But it, it becomes traditional. And because you don't do it all the time, it's great. Do the marquees first, because they'll be boiling by later in the day. Uh, and then do the outside stuff. I prefer the Hampton Court Show. Still run by the RHS. But it's just, it's bigger. There's more space to sit down. Chelsea gets chock-a-block. Absolutely chock-a-block. I mean, it really is. It's uh, it's very, very busy. But, uh, you know, still nice. Still nice. Nice place to go. I like anything. Anything to do with. I'll tell you what I like. I like the bonsai. I love looking at the bonsai. I mean, that just amazes me. Really gorgeous. Uh, Steve. Hi, Steve. Go to see Brian Cox at Wembley tonight. Bought the tickets after listening to your conversation with him. Looking forward to a great night. You'll love it. You'll absolutely love it. He's so entertaining and he, it, it, it's like your own miniature planetarium. You'll absolutely love every minute of it and it, it will be absolutely fantastic. So, uh, so enjoy the night. Enjoy the night. I still keep looking at the Why are we obsessed with barbecues? We're mad in this country, aren't we? Let's go barbecue mad. I had a couple of uh, letters. I get letters in occasionally from people. Uh, Leslie. Uh, in, she's in Marlowe, is Leslie. And so uh, says it's, it's great to wake up. She said the Ivy Restaurant is opening in Marlowe next week. It's opening right next door to the Wimpy fast food. We're now a town of coffee shops, restaurants and upmarket clothes shops. (laughs) Still a lovely place to live. It's true that uh, we have one of these Ivy's in Richmond, which has uh, opened up as well. And uh, that's very, very busy. Uh, Plus the original Ivy is in London but they're opening these cafe type places up all over the place and they're proving to be very popular because it's uh, it's a brand. It's a well-known brand, the Ivy in London. You know because we talked to the maitre d' on In Conversation. And, um, I've been there a few times, actually been there with Barbara and Scott on a few occasions. I went there with Sherry Hewson. (laughs) That was a mad lunchtime. And, um, and it's, it's lovely. It's nice. People go there because they feel covered. I think you go to a restaurant that you feel comfortable in. And that's why I like Joe Allen's, because I've been going there for 36 years. I mean, I never thought I'd say that. Actually, it seems really bizarre, doesn't it? You'd be going to the same place for 36 years. Different menu, I hasten to add. Different menu. Uh, also, I had a, a lovely letter from uh, from Catherine, who's from uh, Chesterfield in Derbyshire. knee uh, Brennan. Thank you very much indeed for that and for the kind words as well. It's always nice, you know, when people sort of respond to something that you do for a living. We don't sort of think that we're anything particularly special. I know we do it better than most people. But uh, we're just, you know, we're just sort of doing it and passing on the information and uh, and trying to do it, you know, in the easiest and the, and the best way. Uh, please wish my number two sovereign driver, Justin Taylor, best wishes in his new career. He's leaving today, says Jason. who's my number one driver. He's leaving today. To do what? To do what? I always wonder about things like that. I suppose on a day like today, what would be the business to be in? Well, either a pub by the river, that's what people would be hunting down, pubs by the river, or being an ice cream man. Being an ice cream man, you imagine? Oh dear, I could be an ice cream man, be a very happy person, very happy person. So, two banana lois in a split? Okay, Ooh, sorry, my phone just made a strange noise actually. Uh, wait a minute, I now have to check, so Stuart's changing his uh, his picture. Do you know, I don't even know how to do things like that. I seriously don't. I mean I'm absolutely let's have a look at that one. <laughs> it's even worse. <laughs> it's even worse. What are you doing? What is this? You as what? I love the way the hairline's moved. No, I th- I don't I don't know what would make a good picture. What do people put up on their on their Twitter feeds? You know, a picture of somebody in speedos or something like that always useful. I don't I don't know actually. I keep looking at everybody else's and I'm trying to sort of some people don't even put pictures of themselves up. Do they? They, they? they sort of put a, a nice picture up, um, sort of a sunset. But it's a bit boring because I like to see what people look like. I, I need to to know. And there is one here. This is uh, Paul. Uh, Paul as um, I don't know where that was taken. Where that was? He's obviously fairly fit, but he's in. Lo- I just know he's in London. I just know he's in London, and he's got a picture. But he was. Uh, he's, he's got a cup of Dow Egbert Strength Four to get him through this ghastly hour. He says already in the office. Yes, I think possibly it's the best place to to be, isn't it? I certainly wouldn't want to be sitting on a train in this weather, going on any lengthy journey. And also, bus. Sorry. Yes, now you've got a soldier next to you. They've got pictures of one of the papers today of soldiers on the trains, because I personally think that you know train stations are places you know to be taken with some you know some degree of um, of being aware. Because it's a lot of people, it's a lot of people in one place, and that's what worries. Me. How many people? I mean, I spend all my time on trains looking at people, staring them out basically, sort of thinking, I don't know, do I trust you? Do I not trust? You? I don't know. But uh, you're right, trains. That that strikes me as being a place that would be. You know, I'm not sure about hospitals. I'm really not sure about hospitals. I I, I, I sort of would like to think that hospitals are, are okay, but if they've said hospitals, perhaps they they've got more. ...information than than I have at my fingertips. More of your texts and emails in a moment, plus we'll come back to the story about the gamblers. Five million a day on those betting machines. They're called crack cocaine machines because they take so much money in. Uh, Prince Andrew has been spared embarrassment. One of the papers mentions today... This is after this... It was a most bizarre allegation that came from a teen... It's going to sound ridiculous, isn't it? A teen sex slave. But Anyway, the case has been settled out of court in America... So it's, it's, it's gone. It's all very odd, that one. I'm not too sure about that. Uh, the Queen visiting the victims in hospital. You can't falter, can you? I mean, she's, she knows what to do. She knows how to do it. I mean, you know, she could have just sent my very best wishes. But no, she went in person.
0: You're listening to a podcast from LBC.
1: Morning, everybody. It's nice to be company. It's Friday, a week from hell, I think it's been for, for many, many people. And uh, I'm glad you've stuck with uh, LBC. Uh, there's now been another person arrested and is being questioned. That takes the total to 10 at the moment. There's, uh, but there again, if MI5 have said that they're currently looking into possible leads with 3,000 people, you can realise the enormity of the, the problem. And uh, so we just have to be vigilant. We just have to be aware. We could still go about our daily duties and go to work and, and still do all the things. Because if you worry about something all the time, you'll never set foot outside the house. So we just have to do that. You know, if something's going to happen, it's going to happen. We just have to, to pray to God that it's it's not bad. That's all we have to, to think of. Uh, also, um, cocaine. I don't know why they're doing a story of cocaine in the papers. I can't quite work out what it's there for unless it's just for information. One snort. Of cocaine can get you hooked. Uh, well, luckily, I don't do cocaine. Um, I have been aware of people that I know who have done cocaine. Um, it just doesn't interest me. A, because I'm way too mean to spend money on things like that and waste that. And also, you know, you see people losing everything because it gives them the, the false sense of uh, just being wonderful, doesn't it? Oh, you can do this, you can do that and uh, it turns out that um, you probably can't. But it just uses up people's money. It swallows up money like there's no tomorrow. And, uh, you know, I work for my money. I'm certainly not about to give it to anybody, so I can have sort of two minutes of uh, of excitement. You know, it probably works for some people, doesn't work for me. I think in the one of the manifestos, the Lib Dems, they're talking about legalising cannabis, uh, as it has been done in America, where you go to places and you buy it. Whether it stops people buying it on the streets, I've got no idea. I shouldn't imagine it does. People still want to buy it. Yeah, they actually tried it in uh, in Portugal, and they seemed very sensible, So, but it seemed to work for them, did it? How many people are smoking cannabis, then? Is it a serious amount of people? Have you ever smoked cannabis? No. OK, just checking, you know. You have to ask people, because I'm, I'm not sure if people are honest when, when you say to somebody, do you smoke on a regular basis? I'm not sure you could do the job if you did. I don't I don't think you could ever do that. You'd sort of worry about, you know, have I just said this or have I not said that? And You might find yourself laughing uncontrollably at something quite serious. So uh, no point at all. No point. Um, the drug smuggling pigeon also fits in with the same sort of story. This is over in... It's not, it's not even here. I thought maybe going into a prison, the pigeon. You know, we've got a pigeon here and they've strapped like a little thing on its back which has got pills in and everything. I mean, really, most bizarre. <coughs> I shall now look suspiciously at pigeons everywhere. Uh, Bake Off gave me a saggy bottom and Santa's face. Paul Hollywood said that. Um, I don't know why he said that. Bake Off gave me saggy face. We're obsessed with cooking programmes, aren't we? I mean, we really are obsessed with them. Is it because they're sort of cheap to make and you could just wheel out Mel Gidroich again about the umpteenth time and sort of go, OK, you do... I mean, I, I can spot her voice on everything now. She's got a very distinctive voice. Uh, also, the hottest bank holiday weekend. 30 degrees. I mean, ugh. I know many of you absolutely adoring the weather and going, this is fantastic. short sleeve shirts, T-shirts, you know, sunglasses, bit of sunscreen... Uh, don't don't think you shouldn't put any sunscreen on. <coughs> Excuse me, because you uh, you should. Uh, Dame Barbara Windsor, uh, she gets a plaque at the Hackney Empire, which is lovely. And um, the unlucky burglar, I can't help but smile, but I know it's not possibly uh, PC. Uh, it used to be the Englishman's home is his castle, uh, and then burglars and people who are coming to rob you started taking. People to court for abusing them and things like that. When somebody breaks into your house and you sort of smack them around the uh, the body with a baseball bat, apparently that gets you into trouble nowadays. But uh, one particular unlucky burglar took a beating. He was tackled by a rugby star. <laughs> Not the kind of thing you expect, is it really? Well, name and shame on the <coughs> excuse me on the program for this morning. And I'll have to investigate the waitros offering the fine dining evenings in store. I mean, so you go in there to do your shopping, now you're going to go back there in the evening for fine dining. They're going to be cooking them for you. I'm assuming that because they've got facilities, because you can go and sit, because people want to sit in supermarkets now, don't they, and eat food. You know, so they've got a little sort of cafeteria, and you can buy some of the stuff that they sell in there and just sit at a table. I would say get a life. You know, if, you're, if, you're, if the be-all and end-all of your day is sitting... In a supermarket at a little Formica table. You really must get out and smell the coffee. The one's insane, (laughs) Sainsbury's, the producer's not a big fan of. We've got one in a a Marks & Spencer's in uh, Teddington. And we've got a Waitrose as well. But I've never actually looked at the menu or whatever they do. I mean, I just think it's a a supermarket. So people are pushing trolleys around and you're sitting at the table with a cup of tea and a cake. I mean, go away. (laughs) It's just not right, is it? Uh, The Daily Mail this morning... As MI5 reveal they're probing 500 active plots, Theresa May urges world leaders curb web giants that give terror a voice. Yes, I mean, perhaps we shouldn't be giving these people any any sort of publicity because that's what they thrive on because they're so sad and lonely. And as I say, it's it's a shame they don't actually have a brain between them. These young people that get radicalised, they can't even think for themselves. That's how sad they are. The latest fitness trend is in the paper today. It's called goat yoga. I never liked yoga. I always thought it was a bit naff, actually. They had this programme on the television. The only reason I mentioned it is because it's fitness. And it's where Brian McFadden stands in the kitchen of somebody's house. There's a bunch of strange people next door eating food. And they have to work out who the mystery celebrity is. So the other day he had the Green Goddess on. um, Which, I mean, you have to be a certain age to remember the Green Goddess. And then yesterday he had some bloke who is going out with Carl Fogarty, his daughter. Carl Fogarty's a... um, a racer, motorbike racer, and the bloke is going out with his daughter. And that was his claim to fame. He might or might not have been on the I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here. Jake Quickenden. Who in. Is that who he is on the X Factor? What an old has been. What an old has been. Jake Quickenden. And he's I'm a Celebrity. But I mean, nobody knows who he is. And the, the, the people next door had to try and work out who he was. Why don't you just say, It'll be another has been standing in the kitchen? Jake Quickenden. That was his claim to fame. He's going out with Carl Fogarty's daughter. It's all very odd, very odd. Anyway, this latest fitness trend is goat yoga. And it's somebody who's doing a yoga position. And I don't know any of I'm seriously I don't understand yoga. Uh, and it's a goat standing on somebody's back. I mean well it's not actually a goat, it's a it's a kid. And um and um it's goat yoga, that's what they do. And they've got different goats standing on people's backs. Because apparently that, that's good. I don't quite understand it. Have we gone completely round the bend? You'd expect this in California, but I wouldn't be expecting it, you know, um, here. So I suppose some people would do anything, won't they? People people like picking up on a trend. You know, trends are, are very good for people. The cafe in Fortnum and Mason's uh good, says Stuart. Yes, I've had tea in there. We went there and then we went over the road to, the, uh, to Bur- um, Burlington House. Uh, To go to an exhibition, so that's quite good. I tell you where I think all the all the nice places are. The the V&A Museum has got a very good cafeteria. The Imperial War Museum is sensational. They're all really good. You know, the quality of the food has upped a lot from you know an old steak pie sitting in a cabinet or a half half mouldy sandwich. I mean, they aren't half mouldy, but that was the that was the implication years ago. It was sort of cheap rubbish food. Now they're really good. I mean, the V&A is great. The only problem with the V&A. My advice is, get your food, go and sit down and eat your food, and then go back for your tea or whatever. Because there's always a queue for coffees and teas, and if you bought hot food, it's going to be stone cold. So my advice is, uh, don't actually bother. But uh, the cafe in Fortnum and Mason, I have, uh, have eaten at. In fact, we, we, we generally go there before we, uh, we tootle off to go to Winter Wonderland. But if you remember last year, Winter Wonderland in Hyde Park, they had them up and down the country. It was lovely, but I thought it was too expensive. I mean, it got to the stage where it was it was terribly expensive, and I thought, no, I'm not spending that. Do you remember? I I, I normally like a portion of chips. You know, it's it's not too big a deal for me, but it's and they were looking for, I think it was something like four pound, four pound fifty, and I thought, no way, no way, am I going to spend that money? So in fact, we actually came away from it. I was very disappointed because I I love it, I love going, there. I love watching the riots and everything else, but it was so heaving. So heaving. And anywhere where there's a lot of people nowadays, I'm slightly wary of. Armed police patrolling trains for the first time. Uh, This is them on a Virgin train the other day. Uh, People were, you know, what they're expected to do, I've got no idea. they Are just going to open fire on a train or something? Somebody's going to stand up and do something, and so they're going to shoot them. And then presumably, whatever it is that they've got on them, they're going to detonate. I'm not sure how that works. But uh, anyway, Paul Crowder took the unprecedented step of announcing officers would be carrying guns on trains for the first time. Never seen it before. Have you? No. But I have seen police officers with guns because if you remember many, many years ago when I went to Vienna for the first time, I remember getting off at the uh, Vienna airport and seeing armed police officers in the airport. And that was then. That was donkeys years ago. Donkeys years ago. Um, I quite like the little story which appears in Ephraim Hardcastle today. President Bill Clinton's sexual shenanigans in the White House kick-started Rupert Murdoch's £2 billion a year Fox News channel 20 years ago. So claims Monica Lewinsky, the then 22-year-old aide with whom Clinton dallied sharing a cigar. Now a campaigner against social media bullying, Monica says, I ceased being a three-dimensional person. Instead, I became a whore, a bimbo, a slut and worse. Still at the risk of seeming cynical, Ephraim Hardcastle says, didn't it set her up for life as an all-American celebrity? Absolutely. <coughs> she turns up on programmes, you know, how to think what I was going to say then, actually. But she's, she's she's basically, she's, she's you know, appeared on the media, you know, because she had a dalliance with, um, with Bill Clinton. And that's her only claim to fame. Oh, she brought out some handbags. I think she was selling handbags on one of the channels. I remember thinking, Monica Lewinsky brings out handbags. I mean, what is her claim to fame? But I suppose, you know, as all these people say, you only get one little shot at fame. And once you've... Uh, if, if, if you miss it, like poor old Jake Quickenden, I mean, seriously, how embarrassing. Claim to fame, you went out with Carl Fogarty's daughter and you were on The X Factor and that's it. Done anything since then? Nope. Nothing at all. But uh, that's what, you know, makes people famous nowadays and that's why... Did I mention my book? I can't remember if I ever mentioned it, but I do have a little tome out called So You Want to Be a Celebrity. It basically says if you want fame, it's fame by association. You know, have an affair with somebody who's more famous than you are or uh, or tell lies about somebody or sort of muscle it over to them in a club or something like that. Hang around with them. Start making yourself invaluable. I mean, it doesn't you don't have to have any talent. There is no talent involved in being a zedless celebrity nowadays or get yourself on a reality show. Because that, that always, uh, that, that tends to work. And get, for goodness sake, get yourself pregnant. Obviously for the boys, this isn't applying to you. But uh, for the girls, get yourself pregnant. Because once you've got the baby, as Kerry toner said, um, you just you just pop another one out and then OK Magazine will give you money to talk about Babby. And so that's why we had to suffer the other day with uh, placenta on her face. Um, Amy Childs, such a child. And uh, so she was talking to Holly Willoughby and um, and she was talking and she got babby got babby now cuz not married that's the whole thing you know anybody on a reality show did god it what get married are you mad they're not going to be with these people for 5 minutes look at stephanie davis and uh, and that peculiar that she's uh, been out with gone out with finished with started again gone out with finished again didn't uh, it's i mean legal action it's just it and but she got babby got babby so that's all it is now and you watch them fern McCann the latest one not married no boyfriends nothing but got babby and so she better sell the pictures more to go, oh, good Lord, woman with baby. It appeals to certain people, not normal people.
0: You're listening to a podcast from LBC.
1: Morning, everybody. Nice to be company. 10 to 6 is the time. It's Friday. It's the bank holiday weekend. Uh, the good news is that this coming Monday, the bank holiday Monday, it's all normal. Everybody's here, so uh, you don't need to sort of think, oh, I wonder who's going to be doing so. T-. We're all, all in as normal. Everybody on, uh, on their right programmes. Uh, the burglar who picked on the wrong victim, a 16-stone rugby player. The, uh, the burglar is a guy called John Calvert. Uh, he's a career criminal. I think what they mean by that is he just thieves. And it doesn't matter who he goes. He was hoping to come away with some rich pickings from one particular house. Unfortunately, the house um, that he burgled, all he came away with was a black eye and some bruises. He clearly hadn't done any research because he's a bit stupid. And um, he should have known that the property he was breaking into belonged to the 16-stone professional rugby player, John Magrin. <laughs> John Magrin's quite a big bloke. Uh, he's a Bradford Bulls prop under 22. He confronted the intruder and the ensuing struggle was predictably one-sided. Calvert managed to escape but was tracked down and arrested four days later, still sporting a huge china. Oh, dear. Poor little John Calvert. He's been jailed for three years. The judge said it was the defendant's misfortune that his victim was a professional rugby league player. Um, uh, Calvert and two accomplices broke into Mr Magrin's apartment in Bradford City Centre. One kept watch outside while Calvert took £500 in cash and another thief picked up a PlayStation. Uh, But uh, the rugby player punched him in the face. (laughs) Can't help but laugh, can you really? I mean, I don't advocate violence, but to be honest with you... It's, uh, you know, it's good. There was a a violent struggle, but obviously girly boy John Calvert was no match for John Magrin, who was toned and buff, and, uh, and he just laid him out as well. I mean, to be honest with you, I think that's absolutely the best thing. But you're not supposed to do it, apparently. The amount of discussions we've had on LBC, I bet you anything, somebody will pick up on this today and say, you know, but you should be allowed to protect your own property. But it turns out the Englishman's home is not his castle. It's, uh, it's a great shame, isn't it? Because you want to seriously do damage to somebody who thinks that they can break into your place. And when there's three of them, you kind of, the odds are stacked against you a little bit. Uh, but he, as I say, he picked on absolutely the wrong person. Incidentally, if you're stressed, and I should imagine this week would be a week whereby many of us could say, yes, we have experienced stress. We know what, uh, what stress is. You need to go to a happy place. I don't know what a happy place is. Is this a place in your mind that you go to? Psychologists in New York say self-generated, positive emotions help the brain widen its focus from a bad situation. So in other words, you sort of you take yourself into a, into a nice place. You know, perhaps uh, you can see a picture in front of you, which is snow covered mountains in the distance and a field with a little river running through it. A bit like sort of Mary Poppins kind of look. But that's what you're supposed to do. Um, and and you take yourself into this place, and then you can calm yourself down. They're always giving you advice, aren't they? I'm never totally convinced that it works. Never totally convinced. And um, somebody says, you've never heard of Carl Foggy Fogarty? No, we know who he is. He's the, he's the motorcyclist. We're talking about the Jake Quickenden one we've never heard of. Never heard of. As I say, I mean, nothing worse than putting somebody in a kitchen with poor old Brian, your career's right behind you, isn't it, McFadden? <clears throat> and then people have to guess who it is. I mean, you wouldn't guess in a million years, unless, of course, somebody had been giving them uh, little hints. Um, Kate says, I'm just wondering, do you enjoy reading? No, no, I'm not a... I do have books, but I tended to... After a while, I would I would collect all sorts of books. If you go through my, my library, uh, I've got all sorts of books. Now I tend to have biographies and autobiographies and stuff like that. Or it'll be a book that I'm, I'm interested in. So on that huge house, you know, the one that uh, had been tunnelled underneath, the black, uh, black gold and everything else. And, um, and I bought a book on that because I was interested in the house. And I bought... I'd rather have a documentary. I'd rather have a DVD with somebody showing me round, you know, beautiful country houses. And I saw one the other day and it was on forget what the country house was. Whatever it was, it was. And I remember thinking, oh, that's nice. Those I can watch. Those I can watch. Uh, Jan Moyer talks about little poor old Kelly, uh, Kelly What's-Her-Face. And uh, she's a she's a pin-up girl, Kenny Brooke. Uh, but obviously the career's gone a bit awry at the moment. So she's now uh, she's done Piranha 3D, Celebrity Gardener and Strictly Come Dancing. And she's decided that she's going to be Gardener. And uh, she's uh, proving, I suppose, that 37-year-old former sex bombs never die or go away. Uh, She thinks she could do a television gardening show, possibly with Monty Don. Poor Monty. What has he done to deserve that? Nothing at all. For years, he's looked quite happy, pottering amongst his uh, begonias. Now there's no peace. The former model claims that she loves gardening and it's now her full-time hobby. Uh, I think that means, says Jan Moyer, that she's repotted a house plant from home base last week. But watch this space. I'm sure it won't be too long before we're seeing more of Kelly's bulbs on daytime television. Yeah, it's just trying to reinvent somebody. But uh, as I say, another one there who's um, it's a little bit, little bit tedious. You know, the very idea that she thinks she can be a gardener. I shouldn't imagine she's got the faintest idea. You know, you, you have to have a passion for it. She never mentioned it before, so I presume it isn't, uh, it isn't there as well. Um, Jan Moyer says that they mean well, but do celebrity condolences help any more? No, but it draws attention to it, I think, Jan. She's talking here uh, amid all the horror. uh, It was oddly cheering to see that the maimed and injured children looked genuinely thrilled to meet the Queen in her little chirpy orange hat. But it's the Queen. It's, It's probably somebody they've only ever heard about. And they've never actually met her. They've never seen her before. So when they actually meet the Queen, it's the Queen of England. I would have thought that meant a lot. And at her age, you know, to actually go out there and, and chat to people was nice. I've noticed a couple of the nurses not actually curtsying, which they should be doing. But, you know, I'm, that's uh, that's that's nitpicking, isn't it? But she talks to people. She's genuinely interested. That's the one thing you can say about her. There's no faults with her at all. She goes out there and, and she does her thing. And whether she stays for an hour or 15, 20 minutes, you know, she's done her... Her little bit. And she's she's walking, for goodness sake. I mean, that in itself, a nice struggle. But uh, the, there is the hat. So she's got a blue, the blue outfit and an orange hat. You've thought a blue hat, wouldn't you, really? But then I suppose she looks a little bit too like she's on the campaign trail. And she's going out there. So she went, um, I think orange hat, ma'am. You think so? Yes, apparently so, yes. People will be talking about it. That's Steve Allen will be mentioning on his radio programme. Guaranteed, sure as God made little apples. But uh, they've got the garden parties. Somebody did write the other day saying, we do think, actually, um, that you know they should ab- abandon the garden parties. But people have waited ages and ages for them, so I think not. Uh, mediums, Steve, are despicable. They prey on vulnerable people. Watch the Pen and Tele programme on dismantling how mediums work. Yes, I'm quite sure there's some of them, but it's, you know, when, when they claim to speak to the dead, they can't speak to the dead. The trouble is, they can't prove they do. And we can't prove that they can't. So it's you're in stalemate. You know, you can you can look at Yuri Geller and he says he bends metal with the power of his mind. All the experts say don't talk codswallop. You can't bend metal with the power of your mind. You've got to hold it and manipulate it. You know, if you can bend metal with the power of your mind, I tell you what, we'll have a million pounds on the table. I'll put a key on the table, you know, one which I'll take off my keyring, And we'll all sit there and stare at it. And we'll wait till you've bent it because I promise you we'll both be dead and buried before that thing moves an inch. That's the way it works now, doesn't it? Although I can confidently predict at the Magic Circle there will be people who will claim to bend metal and it'll do it in your hand as well. Will they be there for Christmas? Who knows? Who knows? Coming up to the news at uh, six o'clock this morning. Uh, also, the BBC's contract... This is a nod. I never get to grips with this one. The BBC contract with Chelsea and The Flower Show says it has to plug their sponsor. Why? Well, why don't they just not cover it? Nobody's particularly interested. You can probably get it somewhere else. I'm not particularly bothered. Have you ever been down there to Chelsea Flower Show and seen how many staff from the BBC will be there? there would be hundreds. Seriously, it's not just, you know, a couple of presenters. There'll be a team of about 40 people there rushing around being, you know, because I'm like AP and got clipboard. And uh, so we're working on a, a show at the moment. We, we've got Alan Titchmarsh here and we're doing the, and it. And would we come and talk about your Pelagonian? that I mean, would be OK. OK. Um, uh, my name's Annabelle. OK. I'm the AP on the show and I'll be back with you a little bit later on. And your name is? Do you have a phone number? Thank you. I'll take the phone number. I'll be, and and I've, I've got a BBC lanyard around my neck that shows that my name Annabelle. See, Annabelle. Uh, AP on a flower program, and uh, I've, I've been I've been there six weeks now, and I'm hoping to be a presenter. But at the moment, I'm just I'm just an AP, and I'm very irritating. And so there'll be loads of those rushing around all over the place. But the BBC have to plug the sponsor. Um, the investment management firm are being repeatedly mentioned during broadcasts. I thought that's payout. I mean, why? I mean, but mind you. Football matches, I see adverts all the way around the the side of it. I see it everywhere. And Wimbledon, don't I see free adverts for water and for for orange squash and stuff like that? That's all prominently displayed. In fact, whenever they do a press conference at Wimbledon, there's the water sponsor and there's the other stuff. I've never seen anybody drink that orange stuff. You ever seen anybody drink it? No, but they pay a fortune to have it prominently placed there you think every strawberry should have the name going through it. Oh, look, we've got the news coming up. But uh, that's the kind of thing that, you know, I sort of kind of worry about. Steve Allen brought you by Prosecco. You know, not any particular Prosecco. I mean, back when Barclays was the title sponsor of the Premier League, Gary uh, Lineker had to call it the Barclays Premier League on Match of the Day. Every single time. I'd be going, how much am I being paid to plug this? They, it used to be the Labatt's Apollo in town. I just went, it's the Hammersmith Apollo. OK, that's it. I'm not going to plug it. I'm not getting paid for it. Ridiculous. But the BBC have got it in the contract. Annabelle, um, would you like to work? There's there's another programme you could work. It's an antiques programme. Oh, that's super. I could go work on an antiques programme. Or a bake-off programme, Annabelle. You'd be very good on that one. OK, yeah, that's great. I love my job. I love my job so much.
0: You're listening to a podcast from LBC.
1: Morning, everybody. Nice to be company. It's five past six. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast on LBC with you till seven when Nick Ferrari will be here. I'll run through uh, just after half past what Nick has got on his programme for today. Uh, A tenth person has been arrested in the Manchester area. Police are are questioning him. So ten people now are being questioned over the uh, explosion the other day at the arena. So uh, we'll be looking at that a little bit later on. The papers are full of uh, loads of other stories as well today, including just how many people appear to be investigated by MI5, and it's far more than we ever imagined. It's something like 3,000 people are being investigated. So quite easy to understand now, looking back and with hindsight, that the uh, person who perpetrated the crime the other day, uh, they were on the radar, but unfortunately, because of all the other work they've got at the moment, they don't know which one to uh, to look at first. So they've got, um, they've got all these people, 3,000 people. I think there's sort of 500 leads have come in from various people. They're moving fast in Manchester. I mean, they really are moving fast in Manchester, far faster. Um, uh, Trump has said that he will try and find out where this leak has come from, which went to... Um, which went into the American press, where they named the bomber before we had even named the bomber, and uh, then various other things have actually come through as well. So they'll be uh, they'll be sort of checking uh, everything. Trump has said he will find out where where the leak has come from. Uh, also coming up in this part of the programme, apart from going through the uh, papers, there's a. Uh, a feud behind Diana's funeral. You wouldn't have thought that there would have been, but there is a feud, or there was a feud behind Diana's funeral. I'll tell you about that in a moment. It's a, a, former, heir, a former aide uh, to Tony Blair. Uh, plus, uh, we've got a, a little bit of a clip of the person who's joining uh, us for In Conversation. <laughs> i only said me for In Conversation, but uh, it's me. I am In Conversation this week, uh, and we managed to persuade James O'Brien to uh, to sit down in a studio with me, and we did it before. We did it a few years back, and it proved to be extremely popular. This time round, it's been filmed. So there's, uh, there's film of it as well, which is going, uh, going particularly well. I'm sure you'll be enjoying that. So we'll have a clip this morning of uh, just what you can expect for tomorrow morning on LBC. We've got the best of Steve Allen, and then we've got Steve Allen's In Conversation with Steve Allen. There's going to be a bit of an overdose of Steve Allen this weekend, I fear, because I'm also here on Sunday. And then Sunday evening, the In Conversation with Steve Allen again is at nine o'clock and then you can download it. But it does come with a with the film uh, of the interview. We've actually been filmed in it, which is a bit of a a role reversal for me because I'm sitting completely out of my comfort zone. I'm sitting where the guests normally sit and uh, James O'Brien gets to do the um, the the posh bit sitting in the big boy's seat. It was a bit like being on Newsnight, if indeed I ever made it to Newsnight, which I think is uh, I think is unlikely. But um, it's. It was interesting, to say the least. It was interesting because I'm not used to being interviewed. I'm not, I'm not particularly good at being interviewed because it's, it's a bit uncomfortable. But everybody, you know, everybody's different, aren't they? 84850, Steve at lbc.co.uk. Uh, so somebody says, here, great show as usual. Have you been to the v yet? The Pink Floyd exhibition. <laughs> Listen, me and Nick Mason, we're like that. I've got the books. I've got the DVDs. I've got everything. It's very good. Uh, Very informative. Spent uh, over two hours. I thought I knew everything about uh, about Floyd. How wrong I was. Last room is amazing. Take the uh, take the headphones. And uh, Sharon says, uh, I'm another one who really dislikes this hot weather. It's really awful. To make things worse. My son's getting married in Israel in August. It's going to be boiling. Really put me off going. Ha 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 ha. No, I think you will be going. But no, I just... I'm, I'm one of those rare people. Everybody else, believe you me, absolutely adores the sunshine. Me, I absolutely hate it. If I, if I thought I could get away with it, I would be walking out with an umbrella over my head, shielding myself from the sun. But I think it's very unlikely that I'm going to be doing that any time soon. But you do see tourists in town who are walking around with these umbrellas. mainly because you don't want the sun beating down on you. So I'm, I'm trying to be good about it. But I know that by the time we get to tomorrow, they've said thunderstorms overnight, which is great. I don't have a problem with that because that'll sort of, you know, it'll all be sort of dry and then it'll be wet again for a little while and then it'll be boiling hot and steamy. It'll be like a scene out of a movie, won't it? Do you ever see... Is it the, the, uh, the greatest picture show on earth or something? It was a Peter Sellers film uh, which had Margaret Rutherford in. And it was a couple who inherit a cinema, or what they inherit is the Flea Pit. Uh, The big posh cinemas around the corner, they actually thought it was going to be that one, and it turns out not to be that one. They end up with the Flea Pit. Was it the greatest? That's right, the smallest show on earth. Uh, Bill Travers, Virginia McKenna, Peter Sellers, and Margaret Rutherford. Uh, It was brilliant. Uh, I mean, absolutely brilliant, and it's lovely. They go there, they get this small little thing, this small little uh, cinema, and uh, Matt who is uh, played by Bill Travers, inherits this cinema. And they soon learn that it's the Bijou renamed the Flea Pit, uh, which is absolutely terrible. So what they do, they, they, they want to reopen it uh, to provide a bit of competition. And they start showing films. But when, when, when they have a film that's set in the desert, they decide to ramp the heating up. Inside the cinema. So everybody's sweating. Buckets watching this film and the people, the characters on the screen. And what they then do is they go for the interval and they then rush in there and sell ice creams and ice lollies and everything else. It's really good. It's a nice, nice little film. And it always reminds me of people working in heat. And as I say, not for me. Not for me. Uh, but, um, but good film anyway. Good film. Virginia McKenna. Margaret Rutherford is just uh, mad as Mrs. Fazakali who sits in the box office taking the tickets and also doubles up as selling ice creams and everything else. They've got it all sussed out, sort of. They've sort of got it sussed out. Uh, Leslie Phillips is also in it, Francis DeWolf. Sid James pops up as well, as he pops up in loads and loads of films. So it's all good stuff. Another one of those recommendating films for those people. I'm going to tell you um, about the, the feud behind Diana's funeral. This is an odd one. This has only just come to light. Uh, This is uh, Angie Hunter, Tony Blair's Head of Government Relations, and his former gatekeeper at Number 10, has spoken publicly for the first time about the aftermath of Diana's death. Laying bare the tensions that arose between the different factions in the run-up to Diana's funeral, she remembers her first conversation with the PM following the news of Diana's fatal car crash. And um, the most tension in the room uh, always came from Charles Spencer's people. The programme will claim... Earl Spencer wanted to walk alone behind Diana's coffin, but the royal advisers weren't happy. Prince Charles was adamant that he also wanted to walk behind it, but the rest of the funeral team felt that William and Harry, then 15 and 12, should be there too. However, William was refusing to join the procession, saying he wanted to grieve privately. Hoping to persuade William to change his mind, five days before the funeral, the team set up a telephone conference call with Balmoral via a big loudspeaker box on their conference table. Uh, I can remember. It sends a tingle up my back, actually, says Hunter. We were all talking about how William and Harry should get involved and suddenly from this box came Prince Philip's voice. We hadn't really heard from him before, but he was really anguished. It's about the boys, he cried. They've lost their mother. I thought, my God, there's a bit of suffering going on up there. When Hunter's husband, Adam Bolton, wrote about the same episode in his 2008 memoir, he recalled that Prince Philip actually used a profanity. So exasperated was he by Downing Street's attempt to dictate the roles that William and Harry should play at the funeral. Meanwhile, Diana's chauffeur, Colin Tebbett, also talks on camera for the first time about what really happened in the hospital room when he and uh, the butler, Paul Burrell, arrived in Paris to collect her body. He says, I was worried about the room, which was very, very hot. We looked up at the window above the princess's bed and could see people on rooftops trying to take pictures. It didn't seem as if they knew which room to look for at that stage. And I asked for blankets to hang up at the window so nobody could see in. That made the room even hotter. So Tebbit placed fans all around the princess's body to keep her cool, He said, I noticed that her hair was moving, which was from the breeze from the fans. But for just a fraction of a second, I thought, is she alive? He said, having been on top of everything until then, I had to turn away and take 30 seconds to myself as a personal, emotional moment. I'm not sure if we should know things like that. I'm really not sure. I repeated it to you because it's coming up in a a television programme, which you'll be seeing. I think it goes on uh, Channel 5 and it's called Diana's Seven Days That Shook the Windsors. Because they've made films about it, haven't they? They've shown, I think the, the film The Queen also had exactly the same thing, where they're going, you know, they, they want you to come back down to London. And the Queen and the Royal Family weren't keen. She was on holiday, and uh, it took the newspaper, and I remember it to this day. The newspaper's going, you need to come down to London. It's as simple as that. You know, there are people grieving down here in London. They hadn't even flown the flag at half mast. So they had to change everything. Oh, by the way, quick aside changing the. Uh, Changing the goalposts yet again. The smallest show on earth. Leslie Phillips, hello, is uh, is still with us. He's 93. He got married for the third time in December 2013. But uh, he's not been too well since then. Probably the exhaustion, I should imagine. He's 93. Can't expect somebody to sort of bounce around like Tigger, can you? But uh, Leslie Phillips still with us. And uh, I've got him in so many films. Superman, Super Superman. So uh, 90. After the break, we'll have a listen to a little bit of that special edition of In Conversation we've got coming up for you this bank holiday weekend as I get to the O'Brien treatment. Ooh, scary times, ladies and gentlemen, scary times. You're listening
0: to a podcast from LBC.
1: Morning, everybody. 20 minutes past six. Did you know that if you are driving a van, here's a little-known rule you might not be aware of, on a single carriageway, it's illegal to drive at more than 50 miles an hour? Okay. did you also know that uh, because vans that aren't car-derived must not exceed 50 miles an hour on a single carriageway, 60 miles an hour on a dual carriageway, and 70 on a motorway. I mean, I can understand that. I get cars past, I get vans passing me. I didn't even think they were supposed to be in the overtaking lane. I really didn't. But uh, it's very interesting, all these different rules. You know, between 11.30 at night and 7 in the morning in a built-up area, you're not allowed to hoot. Beep, beep, you're not allowed to do that. It's illegal. You're also not allowed to drive on the pavement unless you're turning into a driveway. You're also not allowed to park within 10 metres of a junction. Uh, You're not technically supposed to park on the wrong side of the road at night. But the one that um, interests me the most, only because I'm sure people do it, because it's uh, coming up on the television, you're not allowed to sleep in your car if you're inebriated. But don't they have a... I suppose it's different, isn't it, if you're driving and... um, And they always have a police officer comes to your window. Go, you've left your lights on, sir, because he's having a sleep. Because I've often been like that. Many of us have driven on the motorway. The most boring places to drive. But if you're drunk, you've got nowhere else to stay. You could sleep in the car until you've sobered up. However, you could open yourself up to a drink drive charge, because you're technically the law states that those in charge of a motor vehicle shouldn't be inebriated. That's not overly specific. And whilst you could argue that being asleep means you're not necessarily in charge of the vehicle, the police can, and historically have, used that as an excuse to charge people with a driving offence. Also, you know you're not supposed to flash your lights to give way. I thought you were supposed to, but apparently not. That could be considered a driving offence if an accident resulted from it. Well, we all do that, don't we? Thank you. Flash, flash. Thank you, flash smash. Got to be very careful out there. There's uh, there's, no, there's all sorts of laws that you're not aware of that uh, somebody can sort of you know if you've if you've got one of those sort of bright sparks out there you might find yourself on the on the wrong side of the law, which is uh, which is terrible. Uh, another one here, uh, also saying how good the Pink Floyd exhibition is, uh, which I agree. Uh, eight four eight five O. Oh. Uh, Graham says, during your in-conversation, did you manage to get in enough plugs for your book and magic show? I did, actually. I did, yes. <laughs> I'm not stupid. I'm not stupid. Uh, Jill's currently laid up with a chest infection. But I agree with you about the heat, as I've got older, 61 now. I don't like the heat. 68 is perfect these days, but the temperatures are too much. As for the umbrella in the sun, which I've seen other people doing, I used to work in Henley and my lunch break, walking along the river in these temperatures. I generally used a pretty mauve umbrella. People uh, joked, but I chose not to care. Go for it. Can we have a new feature on LBC, The Worst of Steve Allen, in which you're nice to celebrities? See, Howard, you've, you've, you've got the wrong end of the stick. You're assuming these people are celebrities <laughs> as opposed to Z-list people from a reality show. They're not celebrities. I mean, obviously, in your mind, they might be, actually. And uh, did I mention my book? Have I mentioned my book this morning? I can't remember whether I've mentioned the book or not. I don't think I have, actually. And, uh, Steve, uh, when I was in the Middle East, I did carry a Chinese material air conditioner. Very cold in the hospitals where I was working. Getting ready for work. Loving the show. Thank you. And uh, I watched a documentary, says James in Cumbria, uh, showing the efforts of the amazing Randy, this is James Randy, to disprove charlatans. He often locked hordes with Uri Geller. Yes, he actually, uh, he challenged him. He said, go on, prove prove you can bend metal. We'll all watch you very carefully. And um, it, was, it never happened. It never, ever happened. There was no, no money ever paid out by the great Randy, James Randy, who, who kept it going for years, but saying, you know, tell people it's a trick. You know, because if you remember, Uri Geller was a magician was a magician but there's no you cannot change the molecular molecular structure of metal with with the power of your mind it's a load of old codswallop but uh, we had people on the television that were bending programs everywhere everywhere you'd have children and then when the cameras watched closely the kids were just bending the metal they were just going Look, bent spoon it's, uh, you know, it's it's it was a good trick while it lasted, but there's no such thing as bending it with the power of the mind. Even magicians nowadays, I mean, you are aware they are magicians. They they can do it. I can do it. I mean, heavens above honestly, it's embarrassing driving the car sometimes. You get in and the thing starts bending all over the place. Steve, I'm very angry. The Queen makes the effort to get to Manchester to comfort the young wounded. How proud are we? Where the hell were the young royals to support her? The grandmother, disgusting. I always thought you were hard on those uh, young... Royals. Not any more, says James, at the canteen in Twickenham. No, I mean, listen, you would have thought, actually, that the boys would have been the first ones up there. Would you not have thought? The Queen, at over 90, is the first royal to actually go up there. Uh, Beatrice and Eugenie are far too busy, I should imagine, doing other things, like going out with their chums and things like that. I'd have thought that they all would have trekked up there. Would you not have thought that? I'd have thought so. You're right, actually. uh, But I'm never hard on people unless there's a... Unless there's a good reason for it, would you like to interview the Queen? says Debs um yes, probably, yes, I think so. Why not? Yes, I'd like to have talked to Diana. I know she did it for the television, but I'd have loved to have done a radio interview with her. um never wanted to talk to Andrew Fergie, the two ghastly children, not remotely interested there. like to talk to Philip, but if you notice with Philip that he's, uh, he's he doesn't suffer fools gladly. I saw an interview the other day on the television where, where they were asking him, and it was some years ago, oh, did you think that what happened in your formative life before before the Queen and all the rest of it affected the way you are now? And he, and he quite rightly came back with, well, I don't know. He said, how would I know that? And so everything that the interviewer asked, I was thinking, would I have asked that question? I thought, knowing how, how good he is, I remember when one of the BBC's girlie Presenters. Oh, by the way, we've got a story about the BBC, actually. Jane Garvey, girly presenter. She's complained that the line-up on Radio 2 is too male-dominated. In fact, it's all blokes. But, uh, you know, I suppose it's like Woman's Hour. Shouldn't Woman's Hour have a man presenting it, or is it for only girlies? You know, they they do have a man, They have man's hour. They don't, do they really? Oh, how patronising. A man's hour. What, well, they do butch things? Men's hour. They do butch things like, you know, taking sort of the cat's temperature or something like that. Oh, right, they do sport. That's what they assume nowadays, you know, on the BBC. Um, men, men say, uh, sport, you think so? No mention of nail varnish. No mention of having your hair permed or anything like that. Any programme that doesn't contain Gary Lineker. I've got to do this now, haven't I? Because I'd better do it quickly. Because the first and only guest on In Conversation this weekend is a radio presenter. This man started out spinning discs in nightclubs before going on to talk to biscuit factory workers. The people of Vienna and you. He made his debut on LBC back in 1979. He also had a spell working on television on the show Five's company when Channel Five launched in 97. Yes, the guest this week on In Conversation is me. I sat down with LBC's very own James O'Brien for a whole hour. He grilled me on exactly how I ended up on the radio, what I might have done if I hadn't ended up talking to you each morning. And it couldn't help but bring up that time that, no, let's keep this between us, there was a time when I briefly went off to another radio station. Anyway, the host of uh, LBC's Musical Hour knew that the way to get me going is to look back to those years gone by.
0: I want to know whether or not you actually have any highlights when you look back. Do you look back on proud moments on air, not 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 the plaudits or bouquets off air? I don't think you do. I think it all merges into one It does you.
1: merge into what you're right. It does. I don't have any bits I said, oh, that was a really good bit for me. Or that. No. I mean, I, I covered Sarah Ferguson's wedding, you know, and that sort of thing. And I was, I was lucky enough to have done things like that and meet Julie Andrews and go and cut a tree down for... Trafalgar Square. All of those would be highlights. To me, it's just, it's part of what we do for a living, and I've been Seriously lucky. I mean, seriously lucky. Every time another boss comes in, I always go, "Oh no, I've got to try and convince them or let them listen to me, and hopefully they like what I do." So when our latest boss came in, he said, he sat down, he said, no, Steve, uh, what pretty- like? I'm sorry, I keep doing it. I'm so
0: sorry, James."
1: <laughs> but it's it was a case of he he wanted to to sort of make me do phone in and yeah. things like that. And I said to him, "I said, I'm not a phone in presenter. I can listen to people on this station who are brilliant at doing phone in. I'm not that sort of person. I'm a standalone." In inverted commas, personality presenter. And, you know, he's been hugely supportive. Yes.
0: Hugely supportive. Once the penny drops, There'll be people double yeah. down on, on, on support. But I
1: think people then realise that I'm, I'm not doing it. For any other reason apart from the good of the station, because mm. you know, LBC and I go back a long, long way. I've seen a lot of, a lot of you know, program controllers, a lot of bosses. I've seen a lot of journalists. You know, we've lost a lot of people. Yes. I, I found it most distressing to go to LBC's anniversary a short while ago. We had two parties. One was for the current people, which was lovely at Millbank, mm. and then I went to the other one, which is the people from Goff Square Days. And I'm looking at a lot of white-haired old men and ladies, and I thought I'm part of that. And then they did a whole piece of those that we'd lost, all the people over the years, and I found it really profoundly moving because I thought a lot of people, you know, won't know who these people are, but I worked with these people. It's affecting me now yes. because I just, I just sort of thought they were all really special. I nearly went then. I know, seriously, on most of my interviews, I go at some point. So that's me talking to our very own James O'Brien. You can hear a whole hour of that tomorrow morning from six after the best of Steve Allen. So that's two hours of Steve Allen tomorrow morning. If you can't make it then, you get another chance to hear James grilling me on Sunday evening from nine. And you can download it all from the LBC podcast app for your mobile or tablet, too. And, uh, and it was filmed. And it was
0: filmed. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, really Nice to have
1: you. Company, 26 minutes to 7. The more I think about police on the train, armed police on the train, uh, the more I think it's it's not a great idea. And the reason being, so they're walking up and down the trains looking for a person or persons or something like that who might or might not have explosives on their body uh, and who's quite prepared to blow themselves up. Why on earth would they be remotely bothered by a police officer saying... Stand still, or we're going to fire. And you think, oh, wait a minute, they're going to blow themselves up anyway, if that's what you think they're going to do. So I, I just sort of, I sort of worry about the fact. You imagine if you're sitting, if you're in a carriage, and they go armed police, and they go, but these people have got explosives. He's going to go. What are you going to do? Shoot me? It's not going to make any difference at all, is it? So that's why I'm not, I'm not totally convinced. I think I'd rather take my chances. Thank you very much indeed. You know. <coughs> might be wrong, but I just think armed police, you know, intent on bringing somebody down who's got explosives packed onto his body, who's prepared to die anyway. Why would he worry about being shot by the police? If anything, I would have thought the shooting of him would detonate the explosives. I'd be trying to crawl out the carriage as fast as possible. No, we make light of it, but my goodness me! Uh, Princess Eugenie arrived in Leeds this week via the royal flight helicopter. No idea where she was going, but if it was Manchester, she'd have gone into <coughs> excuse me Barton Heliport, not the private side. I don't know what she was doing up there. I didn't know there was a, a royal flight helicopter. I didn't know. I thought they have to charter it the same as anything else. She got to get our father to do. It. He doesn't seem to be doing very much at the moment. Uh, Read really the hot weather and the hats. I expect. Um, Steve, that you producer, will be fashioning a knitted sombrero. Do you know, the Australians don't seem to be particularly bothered by the heat. I don't know why it is. Apparently in Berlin, all the cars have to be parked on the street facing the same way. Well, that's, that makes perfect sense to me. Uh, somebody says, apparently, if you don't put your keys in the ignition and you sleep in the passenger seat, you're OK. I don't know, I'm still not uh, not sure about it. It depends if the police want to. Who's going to remember that? You're sleeping in your car and you think, oh, I must take the keys out and I'll sleep in the, in the, uh, in the passenger side. Uh, Paul says Rachel Tame, an ex-model; Kim Wilde, ex-pop star, both became TV gardeners. Why not Kelly? Because she's boring. Okay, want any more? Any more reasons? She's just clutching at straws. She doesn't know anything about gardening. As I say, she's probably got a B and Q plant. She's gone. Oh, plant. Um, no, put it here. You know, and that's and that's as far as it goes. No, I'm sorry, but of course she'll turn up. You know, she'll be a bit like Charlie Dimmock, and at least she will be wearing a bra. Coming up with uh, Nick Ferrari at breakfast. As political campaigning resumes following the Manchester terror attack, security's high on the agenda. Which party do you feel has the right approach for making us safer? I never even thought about that question. That's quite a difficult one, isn't it? Who do you think's going to make you feel safer? Are you going to feel safer with police, uh, armed police on the streets? Are you going to feel safer with armed police at the railway stations? What about bus stations? If they're going on the trains, why not on the buses? You know, are we going to be sort of stopping the buses and they are going to be checking it? I mean, you know, who knows? Plus, a Just Giving page has raised over £40,000 for a homeless man who rushed to help victims on Monday night. Uh, Nick will be talking to his mother, who only realised he was homeless when she saw him on the news after his moment of heroism. Apparently the last time she'd seen him was at a funeral some years ago and now he's homeless, but he's now got £40,000. wonder what he's going to do with that. I mean, I, I, can't, I can't imagine. Do they just give it to so? If it's a just-giving page, do then they just give the person the money and they go, that's your 40,000 quid? Is that how it works? I don't know. Seems a lot of money, doesn't it, to give to somebody who's homeless on the streets? wonder what he's going to do with it. That's with Nick Ferrari at breakfast this morning from 7 on LBC. Apparently the co-owner of West Ham United FC will pay his rent for the next month's too. That's David Sullivan, who's the uh, the former pawn baron. Actually, I like David Sullivan. I, I, seriously, he's helped us out on numerous occasions. We did a big uh, auction some years ago and he was he was very generous. Very generous. A listener to LBC and of course employed one of our former uh, sales people. Karen Brady came from uh, from LBC's sales team and uh, David was the one who had employed her in the first place. He obviously spotted her uh, her talent. Uh, 84850, oh, steve at lbc.co.uk I like light, lighter moments occasionally on this programme. Uh, Simon has been reading I don't know if you've seen this story in the paper about the Egyptian pyramids, the latest archaeological dig which has taken place, I think, in the Valley of the Kings. They found a new mummy. Uh, this one, though, unusual, unlike any of the other ones. This one's covered in nuts and chocolates. It's believed to be a pharaoh rosha. <laughs> I couldn't even bring myself to tell it. It's just such a stupid line, isn't it? But Dear God, I tell you, if you can't smile on odd occasions, where would we be? I've often said, where would we be without a laugh, ladies and gentlemen? Here, every morning, four till seven. Oh, the, incidentally, the Whitechapel Bell Foundry, uh, closing, but they're moving. They're moving. They're hoping to move to more premises. They've been in this one for about 250 years. So the foundry will close, the building sold... Please not a coffee shop. Please tell me not a coffee shop. Or flats. That's what we do nowadays, isn't it? And uh, negotiations for the future ownership of the business are underway. So that's uh, good news. I mean, they've been there for years. On this particular site, 250 years, they're probably right that it moves. I think things like that should stay, don't you? Even if somebody, you know, if I had enough money, I'd buy it and just leave it as it was. Live above it or something like that. That'd be nice. 20 to 7 is the time. 20 to 7. It's another scorcher today. I apologise for those people who are probably in hospital thinking it's hot. It's not very nice. but uh, And it's going to get hotter tomorrow. They've said 30 degrees tomorrow. So you can imagine how dreadful... Um, uh, how dreadful my life's going to be. I had a show garden at uh, Gardener's World Live in 2014. When I have my Chelsea garden, and I fully intend to, I shall invite you to the press days, day, I said. I do have press tickets for the uh, for the garden show. I just choose not to wander. I can't do anything in this heat. You know, I can't... Uh, man's Hour, says Robin Bracknell. He doesn't actually believe it. It's called Men's Hour. It's called Men's Hour. It's on the BBC. and I mean, it's been scrapped now, but it was. It was on there, Men's Hour. And uh, the whole idea was that it was uh, it was there to uh, to talk about it's it's sort of a magazine program for a modern man. It sounds rubbish, doesn't it? It sounds absolute garbage. It was like they actually tried loose women, which you know, strangely works or strangely doesn't work, depending who's on the panel. Uh, and they also tried loose men, and that was just a complete and utter waste of time. I mean, seriously, you know, it was a complete and utter waste of time. It just didn't work on any level whatsoever. It just it just became ridiculous. You know, none of the people were particularly gifted at doing it and it, it just didn't work, you know, because they go, oh, it's got to do blokey blokey things. What's blokey blokey things nowadays? What does that mean? You know, an amends out. It's a magazine for for today's modern man. Ooh, that sounds exciting, doesn't it? No, it's patronising. You see, women are all right talking about themselves and makeup. You know, you've only got to watch QBC for anything longer than 10 minutes to realise that the whole station is geared to women. You know there are a couple of gay men working on there and a couple of heterosexual men, but they're a bit few and far between. It's mainly women because they're mainly dealing with makeup and skin care, and sometimes some of the butch men have to talk about makeup and jewellery, and they, they, they're just not very good at it. But it's it's marginally better than watching the overexcitable presenters on any of the channels that sell jewellery. Because there is one girl on there. You've got to watch her. I mean, she's quite clearly not the full ticket at all. She jumps up and down with excitement. And all she used to do was turn cards for Bruce Forsyth. I thought that was maybe taxing her a little bit. But when she describes jewellery and rubbish jewellery and things that, like, I mean, I just fall apart laughing. It's seriously, it's one of the funniest things I've ever seen on the television. Uh, the Daily Mail this morning. Fashion battle of the first ladies. This is Brigitte Macron and Melania Trump. I think Melania comes off better. You know, because I think she was a model before, so she knows how to how to sort of stand one, one foot just in front of the other one, and turn your body slightly there you go that. i 've tried to perfect that look myself for any uh, any uh, any photographs that might, might be, t- but it doesn 't work doesn 't work m i five revealed they 're probing five probing five hundred active plots there 's about three thousand people involved in this one, so um, i think it's 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 like fighting a never ending battle, but we will win we 're not going to lose on this one. there is no losing it 's a win win for us all the way through. You know they end up dying and uh, and we and we rejoice probably with their families as well actually trash taking out the trash say the daily star the manchester terror this uh, this bomber calmly wheeling his bins before going out and killing. Children, as I say, but he's gone straight to hell. He's just, uh, he's just a uh, you know, what they would effectively call up there a loony, I suppose, but uh, a dangerous loony. But as I say, they don't win lockdown. Britain say the Daily Mirror bank holiday bomb alert, hospitals warned to prepare for the worst. Whether or not they think that the hospital is a target, or whether or not they think that people will be taken to hospital, I don't know. They have said that, uh, that, you know, hospitals could be targeted. I would think this weekend, there's probably loads of things. If they're putting people on trains, they obviously think that, you know, whoever is going to perpetrate a crime like this is going to be travelling on a train, as opposed to just walking up the stairs to a station. We've got, you know, you've only got... You could cause mayhem, couldn't you? Even in London and anywhere else, by just setting off two or three bombs. That's what what could happen. And if somebody wants to drive a car into something, they apparently uh, appear to be fairly free to do it. Because if they're not on the radar then the police aren't watching them anyway. But I just worry about police on the trains, armed with guns. It's lovely and it's great to see, and I applaud them, because I think, you know, we should have armed police on the streets. I just don't understand the point of if there's going to be somebody sitting on a train who's got a bomb strapped to them. The thought of the police going, put down your weapon, he's got a bomb strapped to him. What's he going to be doing? Going, go on, shoot me. They want to die. They want to die. They don't care who they take with them. So I don't, don't really think it's the uh, the best idea. The Sun, um, the hunt for two more devices. They've got a picture of this flat that the suicide bomber Salman Abedi building his deadly device. He uh, was seventy-five quid a night. How did he finance that? He was only working at a bakery. Where did that money come from? Seventy-five quid a night. Dear me. Uh, the Times. Tory lead cut to five points as Corbyn closes in on May. So they say Theresa May's poll lead has fallen to five points a fortnight before the general election. A YouGov poll for The Times puts Labour on 38% of the vote, up three points. So Conservatives, 43, down one. Labour, 38, up three. Whether it changes, I don't know. You're the only ones that have to decide that. Uh, The bomber plan for a year. Dormant bank fund used to buy shrapnel. Where did he get this money from? I don't. Did it come from his father or something? He's a baker. 75 quid a night for this room. And uh, Euston Station. Oh, schools cancelled trips to the capital yesterday. Well, that's not going to help, is it? It's not going to change anything. You're going to put the fear of God into people. But uh, armed officers, there appears to be three of them on this uh, train, and I just don't understand. They, they've got these weapons. As I say, I mean, I can't understand it. So if, you, if, you've, if you're hell-bent on committing an atrocity... And you've strapped bombs to you and you've got a detonator in your pocket or somebody's a remote detonator and you're sitting on a train. What would be the point of that? Somebody's somebody's standing in front of you with a gun saying, put your weapons down. They've got things strapped to them. I'm assuming it's not visible. Otherwise, you'd go, excuse me, I think there's somebody just walked in. You know, it's not visible. It's going to be hidden, isn't it? That's what they do. Whether or not he was wearing it or it was in a rucksack, I don't know. I really don't know. I'm sure eventually all of this will will emerge. You're listening
0: to a podcast from LBC. Ten to seven, very nearly,
1: 11 minutes to seven, give or take a second. And um, somebody else who says, I really don't uh, like the heat. And somebody says, men's hour. Now I get it. You're right. It does sound like rubbish, Steve. Glad I never heard or saw it. Yes, I mean, they, they did it. I just think it's sort of it, it works for, for women. And Woman's Hour's been going for ages and ages, I think with sort of Jenny Murray. But it's but Men's Hour just sounds a bit sim. it just doesn't sound right, does it? What sort of man is going to be sitting there thinking, oh, a programme, just all for us? How dull is that going to be? As I say, it didn't work with loose men, that just looked ridiculous. Greg says, one of my mates was worse. worseware after a night in the pub, so he decided to push his motorbike from the road outside to the car park for safekeeping. He got stopped by the police and lost his license for a year. Yes, because you'd be drunk in charge of a motorbike, wouldn't you? Whether you were actually on it, you were pushing it, and you've got the keys. So I, I would think that would be uh, the reason. It's very easy to get caught by the police now. It depends how lenient they're, they're thinking, isn't it? You know, they uh, people people do f- forget about. Things. And let's face it: if you can't stop people who are going to be um, who are going to be on their telephone in their car. You know, you'll never find it. I was watching a big lorry the other day, one of those big delivery lorries. The bloke's sitting in the cab. He's smoking. I didn't think you were allowed to smoke in the cab, but they do it all the time. All the time. Uh, 84850. Phillips says suicide bombers are shot in the head to stop them detonating. How's that going to stop somebody? I don't think it's going to stop anybody at all. They've generally got the... They don't have to reach in front of them to push this thing. It'll be in the pocket. They just push it. It's as simple as that. If terrorists attack with guns, we need armed police, says Philip. I don't. Th- well, but they're not using guns, are they? They're using explosives. I don't even know where you get explosives from. Is there a catalogue or something out there? Where does it come from? Where does it come from? I can understand where you go out and you get nails and stuff like that, but where do you get explosives from? I know where you get guns. Most most London pubs, you can go into, into them uh, and find somebody who can sell you a gun. They did it in Time Out years and years ago. Because uh, we did a feature on LBC on how easy it was to get a gun in the capital. But if you went out and said to somebody, "I don't want a gun, but I'd like explosives," could you get explosives? I don't. I don't quite understand how it works, but I'm sure somebody will be able to tell me. Uh, Steve, everybody's forgetting: suicide bombers aren't the only threat. Maniacs with guns and knives are a threat. They could get on a train. I don't see why they would, because they're going to. They're going to end up being caught, aren't they? If you're on a train, there's a limit to where you can go on a train. You can't exactly throw yourself out the door because you can't open the doors when the thing's moving. And the windows don't open now anyway. They've had loads of things like that. The uh, the Prince Andrew uh, story is in a few of the papers for today. This is uh, the fact he's been spared embarrassment after a... And you remember the case some time ago. It was um, Jeffrey Epstein was the person in question and there was a teen... Girl who claimed that she'd been used as some sort of sex slave, um, and Prince Andrew uh, got dragged into this. Uh, Jeffrey Epstein, I believe, is a friend or was a friend of Prince Andrew's. But anyway, it's been settled out of court. Um, this girl here, um, she's settled her lawsuit. Uh, Jeffrey Epstein has settled her lawsuit against the woman she claims recruited her, um, and so they've they say we're happy to settle this matter without the need for a trial, because it probably could have cost an absolute fortune. This is Virginia Roberts, the woman who claimed she was an underage sex slave for the perverted financier Jeffrey Epstein, has now settled this lawsuit. So I suppose that actually uh, made it a lot easier. I mean, the two women were due to see each other in court on Wednesday. Roberts' lawyers had recently persuaded a judge to throw out a motion that would have prevented her from suing Epstein's one-time girlfriend for defamation. And so the decision has cleared the way or had cleared the way for the civil case to go ahead in New York. It was all very, very odd. And uh, I think um, the defamation suit alleged that Maxwell instructed her spokesman to attack Robert's honesty and truthfulness and her of lying. It's a, it, it was a bizarre story. I mean, absolutely a bizarre story. I can remember it. It was all to do with somebody who claimed she was passed around among his friends for underage sex, and, and so it went on. And it was it just... The whole thing just developed. So now it's been settled out of court, which saves the need for it to go to court. And um, this uh, Roberts woman, in the lawsuit, she now goes by the married name of Virginia uh, Guiffre, and uh, she became a victim, she said, after Maxwell recruited her from a hotel where she worked. But it's been settled... So uh, so that was that. Ridiculous though, isn't it, really? I mean they, they they've said here uh people made statements knowing full well that they were they were false and all this kind of thing. The whole thing just sort of it just built up, but I've often wondered about, you know, the strange things that go on in this world. You never know where you are half the time, do you? But I'm always interested, especially in America. So at least it's spared uh, Prince Andrew any more embarrassment. Uh twenty ways. I didn't get round to it actually to spice up your sex life, mainly because it just I didn't really think that uh, it was the kind of thing you wanted to hear about on a on a Friday morning um, and um, and i didn 't actually get round properly to doing the gamblers losing five million a day on these betting machines um, because you are addicted to them. producers already told you He's, he he knows people who are addicted to these things. Uh, Jeffrey Epstein, just to put it into context, had links to Prince Andrew in fact I think, uh, there was a famous picture of them walking together in New York, somebody saying, "What are they talking about for goodness sake, as well as the Trumps and the Clintons very well connected man. Very well connected. Uh, but it was the Prince Andrew links because we saw the pictures and people are saying somebody should tell Prince Andrew not to hang around with certain people. But I suspect it's very difficult to tell any member of the royal family not to do something. The best teachers at school are the ones who make you laugh. I don't think I ever had any teacher that made me laugh. Did you ever have a teacher that made you laugh? I can't bet any of them. I mean, I, I, mean, I, I think we all had, had teachers that we liked and we had teachers that you knew were sort of really serious teachers, but I don't think anybody ever made you laugh. Not in any of our lessons. I can't remember any lessons that I absolutely enjoyed at school. I was rubbish at art. I could never do that. At one time in art, don't ask me why, we made stained glass windows out of coloured paper kind of thing, uh, cellophane, coloured cellophane. So you had to cut it out. At one point, we also had to write the letters of the alphabet into boxes, so it was perfectly... Why? I've got no idea. I had no intention of being a sign writer. I wasn't remotely interested. As, indeed. I shall explain to James O'Brien tomorrow morning at six on LBC. In fact, I think actually, if I was going to go back to anything, it would be retail because I quite enjoyed retail. Shame he doesn't pay the right money, but I mean, it's uh, it's it's very worthwhile. I loved it. I thought it was absolutely great. Much greater than the weather we're going to get. Uh, why do we prefer plastic to cash? I've got no idea. I'm completely the opposite. I'm a cash person. I don't like cards. I don't want to use plastic. I don't like that. You know, I like to keep a tab on what I've got. So if I've got money on me, then I can pay for something. I don't, I don't put it on plastic. Because then the bill comes in and you go, what the dickens have I spent here? Definitely don't want to do that. Uh, Simon Cowell, not the one who reads the news. That's, that's Simon Conway, OK? Just I put that straight because I keep forgetting and getting it wrong. He's axed Britain's Got Talent fakers. These are people who come from circuses and everything. I mean, like he doesn't... It's his programme. It's his programme. How would he not know? You know, if somebody's in front... I mean, he can't be that daft. He must have seen these acts look professionals. Some of them have been doing it 15 years. And they turn up as if it's, oh, look, big surprise, we're on the television. And uh, what was the other one I said? Oh, it's the father of two who's made £70 million from fancy gin and tonics in a little can. £70 million, honestly. See, there's still the opportunity out there to make money. You've just got to come up with something that's interesting. And that's about it. Hospital overcrowding: ninety-one percent of beds are filled at the moment. Which actually, I think, so now they're actually calling it overcrowding. Whereas it only was a short while ago that people were sort of talking about hospitals and going, "Look, they're the empty wards and all this kind of thing." Some people they can't get rid of; they seem to become institutionalized. They just want to be there as well. Um, And uh, Katy Perry's payday to do the American Idol: nineteen point three million pounds. I think, to do it. That's a heck of a lot of money. Must have a word with my boss. Uh, the Guardian this morning. May. Technology giants must lead the fight against extremism. The accomplices to the Manchester bombing may still be at large. And uh, Republican charged for body slam on Guardian Reporter. This is a Republican politician running for office in Montana. Has been charged after being accused of assaulting a Guardian Reporter, breaking his glasses and shouting get the hell out of here. And he's just won the election. They're lovely, aren't they? I tell you, people are just so kind nowadays. Body slamming. Uh, Double whammy for Rooney as Old Trafford exit nears and England door closes. China, we think, for him. They're going to love his hair. They're going to love his hair. I think his hair's going to arrive before him, probably in a jiffy bag. Uh, Corbyn, UK war's to blame for terror. So it's our fault for going into wars. And that's the way it works. And that's it for today. Thank you so much for your company this week. It's been... The week from hell. I think there'll be nobody who'd be denying that one. I'm back with you tomorrow morning with the best of Steve Allen between five and six. And in conversation, this week it's just one person. It's me. In conversation with James O'Brien talking to me. And it's available on uh, the LBC website as well because we've filmed it. You can listen to LBC whenever you want. Download that free LBC app for your mobile or tablet. Never miss a moment. I've got a free podcast coming up for you very, very shortly. Leading Britain's conversation ten. It's the other man He'll be on LBC all seven days this week. That's James O'Brien. But up next, with breakfast,
0: Nick Ferrari. If you enjoyed this podcast, listen to Steve Allen live from 4am Monday to Friday and Saturday and Sunday from 5am.